Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you guys so much for being with us here on episode number 137 on monday july the 8th 2019 maybe you're getting back to work today after a three or a four day weekend you never know who knows who knows but we are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling as always i'm joe Morata, and that is michael quinn how you doing michael Howdy diddy. And you, you heard my voice before I said howdy Wow, diddy. that's very rare, folks, that, that, if you're new to the this show. This is a, a rarity on this <laughs> yes. program here. Quinn, did you have a nice uh, a nice time with Jim Duggan on the 4th of July? I heard you were hanging oh, out with him, right? Oh, he comes to my house every, every, every single 4th year. of July. Yep, he wears his swim trunks and everything. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> yep, and folks, we thank you for making us one of your favorites, hopefully, here as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again here for another week. Uh, we have some great topics in store for you. We'll be pulling two more names for the Royal Rankings. But before we get to any of that stuff, I want to remind you, if you have a Twitter, you can follow us there at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the best place to talk to us and a bunch of other retro wrestling fans is over on Facebook. Over at Facebook.com slash Oh, that, that's it's a good website. It really where you is. You can get all the O's. Yeah, all the uh, O's too. The, the uppercase and the lowercase, <laughs> maybe middle case O's middle as case. well. Over there, you type the search bar. They got a search bar which you can also type O, lowercase O, medium case O, undercase O, all the cases, and then a, and then a U R and then a vantage point after URL. it. Right? URL, <laughs> yeah, in the URL. But anyway, you can type in the search bar. Our vantage point, yeah, retro wrestling podcasts. Beep, bop, boop, O's go down the tubes yep. in the O-zone. Boom. We, we get the message. We send it back. Boom. You approve. You're in. You Kaflui. can post posts of just O's. Yep. Only O's. Maybe lowercase O. Yeah, spaghetti Maybe O's. Maybe you can find middle case on your keyboard. Everyone always overlooks the middle case. It's a button. It's a, it's a button. <laughs> it's a button. Yeah. But folks, uh, you can butt into our group and you yeah. can have a lot of fun there. We try to be a welcoming group that doesn't tear each other down and you know use personal attacks and all that crap. There's enough of that stuff in the real world, damn it. We just want to talk about retro wrestling in a fun manner. And you can talk about current stuff too, of course. So come to the group, whether you've been a fan of just WWF, whether you like all kinds of wrestling, whether you're current, retro, all of it, just join the group. We promise it'll be a fun time. It's at Facebook, you know, with it's, the O's it, and all the stuff. It's good. Facebook, you yeah. know, Facebook has two O's Two in O's it. in it, so yeah. you know it's good. That, it must mean it's good. <laughs> and uh, later on in the show, folks, we'll have some information on our Patreon. We do have one. It's if you want to support the show, which we appreciate, uh, be patreon.com slash OVP podcast. There's some great stuff there, and we'll tell you more about it later. But Quinn, this season, we've been taking fan questions. Oh, are we? Yeah, they have questions, and I guess we have answers, hypothetical we answers. We have O's for them at we the very least. Yeah. And basically what this is, folks, is we're asking, should they have done something? And that could be, should they have done something? And that could mean it's something they didn't do that we're wondering maybe they should have, or maybe it's something they did do, and we're saying, well, hey, should they really have done that? Mm-hmm. And we've got two questions this week, and the first one, Quinn, is from a friend of the show, a member of the Facebook group. His name is Phil Austin. Phil Austin. No Congratulations. Re- Come on down. No re- can- no relation to Steve that I know of. No, or this Denise. is just, just Phil. No relation to CM Punk either, No, right? no, no, no. But his question, Quinn, is should WCW 
have worked harder to keep Ric Flair in 1991? Your uh, immediate answer. Uh, yeah. Okay. I guess so. We're going to have to talk more. I don't have a final uh, answer yet. Yeah, I, I know guess it's rare. So, huh? I guess so. That's weird. Why do you think that? Well, let's do the background, right? Okay. So, uh, Jim Hurd, he was running the WCW uh, late 89. I think he came in and he was there all throughout 90 and into 91. Now, how much pizza did he eat before he got there? He made a lot of pizza. He He, ate a lot of pizza. He was the purveyor of pizza land. He he was the Pizza Hut executive that somehow got himself hired uh, at WCW to basically handle things, not book the matches. They had bookers for that. In a weird way, does it... (laughs) Does it seem fitting that a corporate company would think a guy in charge of pizza, he can handle wrestling? I mean, pizza. Same demo. Pizza's serious, but wrestling, on the other hand, not as serious. This is going to be a pizza walk, a dough walk for him. Yeah, pie in the sky, if you will. Fucking heard was, if he wasn't an alcoholic, he looked like he should be. All the boys hated him. He takes over WCW, and again, not as a booker, but as like the main guy, as what Bischoff would later become, right? The executive, executive vice, vice president. president was type that of deal. what Herd was, or did they so. just invent that for Bischoff? I don't know. Bill Watts was he that? I, I know, know he opened he could, the door. He opened the door and came <laughs> through the shiny, shiny light. Bill Watts opened the door and he walked through, brother, and came out of the shining light. Anyway, about Ric Flair. Obviously, Ric Flair was a mainstay in not only the WCW, but before that, the NWA, pretty much all of the NWA territories. Yeah, otherwise it's, known as Richard Flair. Yes. Um, you might know him as that. He, you might, but you um, probably don't. He uh, made his name as Ric Flair in the NWA organization, which WCW had grown out of by right. 1990, 1991. Mm-hmm. They kind of eclipsed the NWA banner by then, right? Right. They were like, we're world championship, right. which is the name of the show, which is, yeah. I always thought that was weird. Let's call ourselves... <laughs> It's like, it's like WWE changed their name to Monday Night Raw. It'd be like, like if TNA Monday changed Night their Raw. name to Impact. Yeah. Wait a minute. Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so Ric Flair, by 1991, let's be honest here, Flair had been around a really long time. Right. Working for this territory, working for this group of territories, working for WCW. It put a lot of people over. Multi-time world champion by then. Four horsemen, all this stuff had been mm-hmm. going on. And he toured around with other promotions before, so it's not like weird that he would leave. Right. Now, apparently, if legend is true, Jim Hurd wanted Ric Flair to change his image, you know, kind of get with the times in 1991. Now, what did he think getting with the times would be, Joe? Shaving his head. Oh, really? Getting an earring. That's exactly what people wanted. I thought it was the era of hair metal and stuff. (laughs) Having a punk rock gimmick, calling himself Spartacus, if you believe all this stuff. I'm Spartacus! I'm Spartacus! I'm Spartacus! I'm Spartacus! I'm Spartacus! Who cares? Uh, and I'm sure there were money disputes involved in this more than anything. Because uh-huh. usually when people leave wrestling organizations, unless you're Bret Hart, uh, even Bret left because of money. I yeah. mean, people generally leave because of money would you or say, pride. Would you say that maybe these demands were perhaps just Jim Hurd's way of saying, get the fuck out of here, we don't want to pay you? Maybe. Here's what I want to talk about is the immediate consequences in WCW. There was a pay-per-view that was due to air, and Ric Flair was due to main event it, and right before he left, Jim Hurt, right before he left in July of 1991, was right before this pay-per-view. So Ric Flair leaves, there's no main eventer now to to face Lex Luger, I believe it was, right? Hello, wrestling fans. Jim Hurt, Executive Vice President of World Championship Wrestling, with a very important statement for you fans. World Championship Wrestling is saddened to report that after extensive negotiations with Nature Boy Ric Flair, stretching over the course of nearly one year, the parties have been unable to arrive at a mutually satisfactory contractual relationship. 
this is the Great American Bash 91, and that is known, Quinn, as one of the worst WCW or maybe worst wrestling pay-per-views of all time. I've watched this show. Now, I haven't, right. to be fair, I probably haven't seen all of it because I just wanted to skim and see how bad it was or sure. whatever. It's a WCW show on on the surface. It right. doesn't, I think that a lot of the people at the time took it much harder, and maybe it was just a crappy pay-per-view, it's the legend is that it's like one of the worst things to ever happen. Do you think that has more to do with the immediate context and at the time it was just I, received so poorly? I personally think that because I look back at it and I'm like, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. It's just I've seen much worse. Let's by, put it that by way. By both promotions, yeah. them and WWF. Exactly. Obviously, we want flair chants echoed throughout the arena for a lot of that. Right. The fans were pissed that he wasn't there and they knew well, that WCW to, fucked up. Yeah, yeah, he was advertised to be there. Very innovative. From our great production staff at World Championship Wrestling. So you think that they should have kept him, right? Right. The only question I have, Quinn, and maybe you'll be able to answer this easily, is what else do you do with Ric Flair in 1991 by this point without having him take that two-year break from WCW to refresh? Well, Doesn't do he get they, stale? Here's the thing is they do what they always do with Ric Flair. He puts over new talent. Yeah, true. I mean, it, true. wasn't he in the process of putting over Lex Luger at that point in time I or whatever? so, yes. I think yeah. that would have happened. So you think you just keep Flair as an upper mid-carder, if not the main eventer? Yeah. You know, honestly, when he came back in 93, it's kind of like they just picked up where they left off anyway. Yes, they did. And that's probably what, what would have just happened. Now, do you think it would have had a negative effect on the WWF, though? Because, I mean, that was huge to get him. It really freshened up their scene. So, okay, how, how does it affect the WF, right? I don't know if it does affect the WF that much because really, and I'll tell you why. Because they ended up not doing Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair, so who fucking gives a shit? I guess Quinn, but still, the main event scene of 1992 is dominated by Ric Flair, Savage Flair, some epic stuff yeah, that but he you did. Got the, the Macho Royal Rumble, Man around, but we never would have had the Royal Rumble. You got the Roddy Piper, the Jake the Snake. I guess Quinn, I think it would have hurt the WWF more. Now I don't know that it really hurt WCW too much because obviously we know that even when Flair came back in '93. Mm-hmm. It took them a while to really get a groove, and that groove was going by the end of 93 throughout 94. Yeah, until the Huckster came. Until the Huckster came, which we talked about a little bit last week. What? Right. I have to say that even though, in hindsight, everything worked out for both companies, mm-hmm. him leaving was... In this like, particular case. Yeah. Like, not that, it's <laughs> not like this caused WCW to fall. I want didn't. That's the put thing. Put this out there, like, Rick for leaving for, like, a year. Yeah, not, a year and a half. had nothing to do with the fall no, of WCW, it, like, ten years later. And Jim Hurd will ultimately wind up being replaced by Kip Fry, yeah. who was then replaced by Bill Watts anyway, and then Eric Bischoff. So that chain of events probably would have happened anyway. Right. Honestly. Yeah. So... I guess they should have worked harder to keep them. They should have, but, but it's it, fine that they didn't. It didn't like it didn't hurt anybody in the end, I suppose. No, and it really would have robbed the WWF of having Ric Flair. Yeah, but and again, having that I, period of time. I personally think you know what's a, a weird butterfly effect with that in a weird way. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Eric Points is listening up. Yeah, who would have won the WF title in the in the Royal Rumble then? I don't know, Quinn. What? What? You know who I think had the best shot actually in that particular case? Sid. No, Jake the Snake. I don't think so. He was the top heel other than Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but they were going to turn Sid heel anyway, right? To I, fight Hogan. I know. I'm just saying. It's like, wow. Imagine Jake the Snake getting it. How nefarious him clutching onto the and title. Savage to... beats him four to WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. yeah it could have happened. Yeah. That, that's like a something that that's a snowball because, effect. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, folks. Let us know your answer on that one because that's an interesting one. But ultimately, I'm going to go with yeah. I guess they should have. And yeah, Quinn's I, going with yes. Yeah, they should have. They should have. Just it, overall, it didn't have as much of an impact. No. I guess as as some other things we've discussed here. Yes. And here's another one. I've heard this one mentioned. Uh, casually for years as a wrestling fan including on scott keith reviews and just various places uh throughout the years and jamie wallace wants to know the answer to this one mm-hmm. quinn should hulk hogan have faced the ultimate warrior in a rematch for the wwf title at wrestlemania 7 that's really hard to say for me actually okay. um hindsight's twenty twenty, and i think no because personally the iraq war thing was probably a big deal to them and they wanted to capitalize on that Despite the hokiness of Despite the fact the that they did that and but the it's, poor taste. it's WF yeah, capitalizing on wartime. They would do it later with like... <laughs> Expect nine, nothing else. Yeah, they'd do it later with like 9-11 yeah, and I stuff. Know, yeah. It's not like we can put that past them. Oh, no, I would never put it past them. Uh, and I don't know also how much... Do you think there's a lot of value in an Ultimate Warrior rematch? Because ultimately when they finally did it, it sucked. Well, that was also seven years after this right, and in true. WCW, and they were older. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. We had the amazing Savage Warrior feud Which and match. Which was a hundred times better. Than, than probably this would have been, right? Yeah, even if it was like a better Hogan match than the one from the previous year, yeah, it still, still can... That Macho Man match is... There's layers to that. Yeah, it's just a good match. And the storyline and like the whole build-up with Warrior and the title and all that from Royal Rumble and even yeah. further back than that and Savage and Liz. But, on the other hand, Quinn, mm-hmm. do you think that if they had done Hogan Warrior, they could have actually put more people into the LA Coliseum and not had that bomb threat? <laughs> That enabled them to move to the sports arena. I don't know. It, it, here's the thing: is Isn't you, that sac- funny, though, you sacrifice think. one thing for the other. Yeah. But do, are you going to get a bigger result on one or the other? I mean, it's not like they just they didn't do some specific thing with this. Wasn't all of wrestling like shittier or something? It was going down in terms of pop culture perception, and I, I guess by '91, yeah, definitely after the steroid allegations with Zahorian and all that. But as as far as a standalone match, would it have been cool to say, "All right, Hogan and Warrior." They have this match at WrestleMania 6, unprecedented. They have it again the year later, but of course, who's going to win? <laughs> Hogan's going to Hogan, win at Hogan, 7. It's it's kind of a stupid thing anyway. Right, because, right. like, what, are we just going to do this again? Yeah, exactly. Like, just in reverse? Yeah, so I don't know. It, the idea has always been somewhat tempting. Like, it makes total sense in terms of an arc. You know, the way there was the Mega Powers arc. Right. From 88 to 89, right? The two WrestleManias. Yeah, but usually they didn't repeat matches in these arcs. They would have one match. Like, even in Hogan and Savage, it was just that one time at a WrestleMania five. Yeah, Hogan and Andre wrestled back-to-back, but the four no one cares about. That's a tournament match. <laughs> yeah, it's like I know. the first round. And it's it totally stinks. different. Well, it's, yeah, it's And the it's actually round. the third time they would fight because if yeah. you, they Main fought event. the second time already. But you think Hogan and Warrior wouldn't have had the same impact? Is that what you're trying to say? Like, it would have been great, right? A big deal. Especially after the Warriors year, I can't see that being as big of a match as it appeared to be. You know what I mean? Because the Warrior, that run was not as successful as they had hoped. Yeah, and it's not all his fault either. It's not all his fault because they 
put the harp shit on him or what? Remember, he they made the him look stupid. He, he looks. Stupid. They made him less like the warrior and more like Hulk Hogan. But he isn't good at being Hulk Hogan. The He's good way, at being the warrior. Honestly, the only way it would have worked because this would have been fucking crazy if they did it. What is if they turned Warrior heel before it? I've heard that you know as a theory too of various points in his career. Oh, he should have turned heel here or there. Well, because that character is so like imagine him as a heel it just sounds insane. It would have worked. I think yeah. he would have played a good heel. Yeah. I don't know. It's so hard, but I I think, no, they shouldn't have done that rematch. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I, I hate to say it. I, I always like to, like, think positively about these, like, hypotheticals. Oh, yeah. Like, man, it would be so cool. Right, right. I can't ultimately see that being, like, a good idea over what they did. Yeah, I have no problem with Hogan's Slaughter as a match. I don't, the angles, whatever, but the yeah, match but at paper, WrestleMania. it looks really good. Does it? No, it does, because Sergeant Slaughter, you have to remember who Sergeant Slaughter was in 1991, as opposed to how we view him now as guy who got baby power. Well, I know that. It. Like, it looks like a fucking idiot. Well, I know that, but like, I guess, really, if you were a longer-term fan and you followed him all the way back from the early 80s when he was a heel and then a face, well, and then... Uh, the other thing is the G.I. Joe aspect, that he true, was, like, America's point. hero or right, something, right. and he turned bad. Very like Vince. The, I'm just saying, Very like, Vince. that, to me, that's... To me, on paper, that looks really good, actually. That, you think it does? Oh, my God. What a heel turn, right? He, he's Now he's sporting Iraq. He was Mr. America for the whole 80s, even before Hogan was that. But don't you think that's cheap? Why is that just cheap? seems cheap. It's wrestling, though. Of course it's, it's cheap. It's wrestling. It's all cheap. <laughs> it's just, but, I, I, I always have to say this. I'd hate to burst people's bubble butt wrestling. At the ahead. end of the day, it's men in their underpants fighting each other. Yeah, it is. And so, a lot who, of the time it's promoted by very shady people. Right. Yeah, no shit. So if they want to do that, fuck it. Like, it, you know what? It's it's wrestling. But I like the match more than I like the angle. I thought it was a great main event. I did think the match was actually good. And then, that's another thing about that is with Slaughter is he gets a bad rap. And I honestly, He's excellent there. I honestly think the whole run's actually pretty good. Oh, it's like, a great little stupid heel run. Yeah, it's dumb, but it works. It definitely works. And uh, obviously, not to mention... I would never give away a Savage versus Warrior for anything. I would never give that match up. I don't for ca- nothing. I don't care. They want to do Hogan Warrior at SummerSlam '91. Do Be my guess. Yeah. We needed a good fucking main event there. That would have been a match <laughs> that would hell. That would have been a great time to yeah. do that though, if they were ever going to do it. Right. SummerSlam '91. Yeah. Exactly. Warrior with the big rematch because he beat Savage at WrestleMania. would have gotten more money, ah, too. <laughs> but, folks, if you have a question that you want answered, you still have time to add it to the spreadsheet. You can find that spreadsheet on our Facebook group. And if you can't find it, just ask one of us or one of our other attendants will be happy to help you out. We have attendants. <laughs> yeah, we have them. We also take attendance. We also take attendance. And you're with us here. And stay with us because when we come back, we're going to be pulling out two more names and ranking them in the royal rankings of the Intercontinental Champions. That is coming up right after this. When the folks are away, it's my responsibility to keep the clan alive. And that's why I stress the two major food groups, pizza and cheeseburgers. And now Pizza Hut has made my job simple with the new double cheeseburger pizza. Check this out. It's loaded with beef topping and cheese, and I can also get it with bacon. And when I get one for $8.99, I get a second for just four bucks more. And that means tomorrow's breakfast is already made. Pizza Hut, making it great. And now, 
Now back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here for episode number 137 here on Monday, July the 8th, 2019. Thanks for being with us, guys. Quinn, before we royally rank more intercontinental champions, did you know that we have a Patreon? Oh, I've heard, and it's a special place. (laughs) Why is it so special, Quinn? Well, because there's a lot of extra content. There is extra content over there. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. The reason we have this is not to try to get rich, okay? We, we don't expect that. No, we don't. We really don't. We're not, we're not Steptoe or whatever. No, we're not Steptoe. We're not Blue Chew. We're not anyone like that. But no. <laughs> what, we, what we did this for was we had some people that really liked our show that wanted more stuff. So we made a way where if you really like the show, you can support us. And in return, we give you extra content. How much extra content? That's well, the question, Joe. Here's the thing. For $2 a month, what you can get is every single Monday with the release of our regular show, including this one right now, you get a raw video feed where you know, you're going to see before the show, in the breaks, after, things that hit the cutting room floor, bloopers if we ever make mistakes. Very yeah. rare. Sure. You know, here's, here's a free preview. You might want to see how we introduce this second <laughs> yeah. um, originally, yeah. uh, because that's interesting. Yes, it is. And that's every single week. And you get to see us making the show. That's $2 a month. A video comes out every single Monday. Now, if you upgrade that to $3 a month. Only one more dollar. That's all, all it Isn't is. Isn't that crazy? One more dollar gets you like more hours yeah. of content. <laughs> right. Because every other Friday, what we're releasing are the 1982 and very soon to be 1983 live video reviews of WWF Championship Wrestling. Quinn, what do we do there? So, it's kind of like an analysis slash just like two guys hanging around watching wrestling. Like, it's kind of like you're in the living room with us. Exactly. That's the vibe that we go for. Wise cracking, commenting on the action for real, too. But it's a fun time, and a lot of people seem to like it. You can also go to our YouTube channel because we are releasing old episodes. Yeah. So if you want to get your hands on some free versions of that to see what you're in for, you can just go to our YouTube channel to search for us, our and, vantage point. And those are the early versions. Yes. So a lot of the a lot of the hijinks start later on, and yes. week by week, you'll start to see more. You'll start to see more. So check that out. And then if you want to go for the Mother load. It's only five bucks a month. That's it. That's the highest we go. Five dollars? I mean, that's like half the price of Netflix. Yes, it really is, actually. You're going to get the raw video. You're going to get the bi-weekly 1982 reviews. And you're also going to get every single month, Quinn and I are reviewing in order every single WWF pay-per-view. Last month was WrestleMania 3. So this month is Survivor Series 87. It'll be coming out in a little while. And it's a fully produced, full audio podcast. In case you were wondering if you're joining this thing, yes. you also get your own private um, RSS. RSS feed, which if you don't know the techno aspect, you can just punch this address into your podcatcher. Yep. And then, you know, listen to it like a regular just, podcast. Yeah, we'll just like feed it to you Correct. as it comes out. So. so, and so, like I said, it's a fully produced audio podcast, the same way our weekly Monday show is. Yeah. No shortcuts here. We really try our best to give you your bang for your buck, the most bang, I'd say. The most bang, um, and Very also little buck. a lot of archival content at this point because yes. that, it, we've been doing it for a bit now. Patreon, yeah, almost right? two years we're coming so up on. There's, so, if you sign up, it's not like you only get like the, the new, new stuff, stuff, right? You, you get all that two years worth of stuff yep. we've done, which is hours. I don't even know how, it's probably a lot of hours. It's probably this, a lot of hours. Yeah, yeah, at this point. So if you want to check it out again, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We get it if you don't want to donate anything. That's fine, but it is available, and we encourage you to at least check out the website and see if you like anything there. But when we're doing the Royal Rankings this season, and this week around, it is the actual rankings of the best Intercontinental Champions. So you know we won't go to custommuscle.com. No, no, that's the flush. That'll be next week. What the Royal Rankings is, perhaps this is your first time joining us. Before the season started, we asked you, the fans, a list of your top ten 
and your bottom 10 intercontinental champions of all time. We took all of those names, all of those votes, we compiled them into two separate tanks, the best and the worst. The top 10 of each are the ones that make the final cut. And what we do is we draw them out two at a time every week until we determine by the end of the season, the definitive OVP certified scientifically ranked best and worst intercontinental champions of all time. Quinn, it's been quite a ride so far with these rankings. Some big names on here and Chris Jericho. What? (laughs) So let me run them down for you. At number one, still Brett Hitman Hart. Brett the Fart. Brett Fart. He he did it. (laughs) Number two, Randy Savage. Uh, He's good. (laughs) Yeah. That's a surprising number two, I must say. A a lot of people, I I don't know how they feel about that. Number three is even more surprising than me, though. All the way up to number three, Quinn, is The Rock, which we didn't see coming. I didn't see that coming, but you know what? You go through that Rock run, and it is pretty damn good. It's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Number four. Very respectable. Mr. Perfect. Uh, the perfect one. Not so perfect on this list. Not though. flawless here. Yeah. Number five, the bad guy, Razor Ramon. Say eh. hello to my little friend, or whatever he says. Star- Starface. Starface. <laughs> well, Starface. And number six, Chris Jericho, because I guess because Jericho had the most reigns. He, he had made the list, lot. but whatever. Hey, that's something. It is something, but we're going to give you two more names now. Let's go down to Howard Finkel and the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. You are nothing but garbage here. Nobody beats Mr. Perfect. (laughs) Nobody. I remember when they were changing your body pads. And the ultimate winner, the night itself, no victory. That's J-E-double-F. J-A-double-R-E-double-T. Because Shawn Michaels is the undisputed Intercontinental Champion. There can only be one champ, and it's me. Shake, rattle, and roll. I don't care about the backstroke up the Mississippi. Woo! It is the Royal Rankings of WWF Intercontinental Champion. Some great names on the list so far, Quinn. Oh, yeah. Only the best, really. Only the best and Chris Jericho. And we're going to pull out two more names now. So without any more preamble here, why don't we finally find out now who drew number seven? Quinn, the mm. ultimate warrior. I've been waiting for this one. This one? I knew he'd make I it. I have bold predictions for this one. Wow. So, uh, coincidentally, we just talked about the warrior, but we were talking about more as world title runs. So now yeah. we get to roll it back a little bit. You know, it is random, folks. It is. This so is random drawing. We, it's not like we picked that other topic, but the warrior just, you know, he ran down. Yeah, he, he ran, ran down, down his duster. Ranking, into the royal rankings here. Yep. The ultimate warrior debuted in the WWF, obviously, in the spring of 1987. He had previously been the Dingo Warrior in World Class and other places, and before that, he was Rock in the yeah. uh, Power Team Power USA. Power Team U- and, USA. Yes, yes, with Sting. But anyway, by the time he hit the WWF, he was renamed the Ultimate Warrior, thankfully, after I think one match as Dingo or some I shit. The Dingo Warrior! They always joke like we didn't know what a Dingo was, but isn't that like known? It eats what- your baby. Yeah, it's from Seinfeld or whatever. Well, it's before that, but yes, yeah. it's from Seinfeld. We can we can go with that. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. 
So he makes not much of an impact for his first six or so months there. He's, he's just, just kind of there. Yeah, he's just kind of beating up jobbers or yeah, whatever. Basically. Yeah, basically. I think his debut or one of his early matches was against Jose Estrada, believe it or not. Well, Jose Estrada is quite the luminary, yes, as we've is. seen in 1982. Yes. So we roll through 87. He's Like I said, he's there. He's at Survivor Series. The Ultimate Warrior is absolutely, without a doubt, 100% not at Survivor Series. You white t-shirt wearing hack. And 88 rolls along, right? And he has this feud with Hercules. Now, that's nothing to hang on your wall, but you got you got to say this. Hercules, known for his impressive physique. Yeah, known strong for guy. Um, um, conquering the pillars of Rome. Right. Uh, <laughs> he, he's traveled to the future to fight an ultimate warrior. Yeah, uh, son of Zeus, obviously. Yes. So he fights... His father hadn't debuted <laughs> yeah, no. just yet. No, he, was, he didn't do No Holds Barred yet. Yeah. So the warrior and uh, Hercules have a match at WrestleMania 4. It's poopy. But it gets Warrior on a WrestleMania. It gets his name out there. He starts to heat up little by little in the spring of 88. Meanwhile, the Honky Tonk Man had been the Intercontinental Champion for a billion years, right? Oh, yeah. So he had had a clamp on this belt for, for like over a year he, at this point. He'd been backstroking up the Mississippi <laughs> yeah. for years Woo! now. Yeah, exactly. And he was in a, an embroiled in a feud with Brutus Beefcake, the barber. You a, know? Gu- a guy that seems to always be going after the Intercontinental <laughs> yeah, title right? and never really getting it done. <laughs> no. Uh, and what a package, by yeah, the way, too. The biggest package so, around. So that package doesn't do him any good at WrestleMania 4 against Hunky, so they build towards this big rematch at SummerSlam 88, the inaugural SummerSlam, Madison Square Garden, August of 88, Beefcake and Honky, finally, except Ron Bass decides to spur Beefcake in the head, right? which and is great. That's the end of Beefcake for a bit. That's it. And to replace him, we don't know who it's going to be. Honky Tonk Man comes out ready for his match. No one knows. No one knows who's going to replace him. He, he's super confident, too. Oh, it was the, cool, cocky, I mean, and bad. Honky never loses, he, or he, if he loses, he gets away with the belt. Yeah, it's DQ, it's count out, or it's he just so, has some, some chicanery. Some bullshit. So, like, he's kind of just like, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Like, what can happen? If, if I don't like it, I'll just leave. Right. Get me somebody out here to wrestle. I don't care who it is. Send anyone out here. I don't care. Whatever yeah. he says, right? He's yeah. got Jimmy Hart, his colonel. Right. His own personal colonel. Yeah. It's amazing, actually. <laughs> How did he transform into a colonel, ask Gorilla? <laughs> and whose music hits, Quinn? But the ultimate warrior. Now, you know what I always love about this? Even the warrior who's, like, still newish, right? Yes, relatively. That music hits and everyone knows who the fuck that is. Oh, hell yeah. And and I think that's the biggest takeaway Warrior had at that point in time was that people knew when that music hit, this maniac was going to come running down. And yep. He, he don't lose to anyone. He right. just beats the shit out of people. That's all he'd he been known for. Leaves. Goldberg like, before Goldberg. Right, exactly. Honestly. So he storms into the ring, attacks the honky-tonk man who's still in a stupid Elvis jumpsuit. Well, he is Elvis or something. He's alternate universe Elvis. Remember, right. like, Elvis ripped him off. That's yes, what it is. That's, what that's the gimmick. And he beats Honky for the Intercontinental title in about 30 seconds. Awesome. Uh, MSG explodes. New Intercontinental champion. A new face with the belt after this year-plus clamp on the belt. It was just such a big deal when he lost the so title. So satisfying. Uh, you know, maybe he's still making up a spoon. Who knows, man? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody's music. That's familiar music right now. They've exploded here in the garden. That was gone. It's officially underway. The warrior doesn't know what to do. He's so excited. <laughs> the title definitely up for grabs here. Oh, we can get a new champion right now. We're all about to. Right now, brother, we can get a new champion. I'm here to tell you. Warrior's now the newer Carnal champion. The first thing he does is he has a series of rematches against Honky, which is only natural. Mm-hmm. That would wind up being Honky's last real brush with like the 
title with, scene. With greatness. Yeah, by the end of 88. I, I'm wondering if um, Wayne Gill or whatever his real name is, was he, <laughs> Wayne Gill? Was he going to... Wayne Did Ferris. he think he was going to like get a world title picture or I something? I hope not. Oh, he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> you see, that's why he's such a good heel, Joe, because you think that. He does not need to be world champion. Let's talk about the warrior, though. Yeah. His first big feud is with Rick Rude. Right. And that is a great feud. And that really, really helped to get the best out of the warrior. Rude did a phenomenal job. Yeah. And I think we're also fast forwarding, too, because, uh, you know, before that, also, the warrior kind of established himself in that time when he had the Intercontinental title sure. at first is like those wacky promos, right? Like, oh, yeah. People, they look stupid now, but back then it was so mysterious, right? There was like a mystique to it. It's like this guy's talking his own language. He's from somewhere else, and we don't know where he's from. As the ultimate warrior travels up and down those roads, and those miles become hard. And they become hard and long for the other mortals that feel like they have what it takes to come to me and accept that challenge. Yeah, and they made no him very one, mysterious. No one was like that in yeah. WWF at that time. Savage was the closest to like crazy and yeah, weird. He was more like crazy. But Warrior felt like a space alien. Yeah, there like, was or, mystique. There's something. This guy. Maybe he is the ultimate war. Like his right. name is described. Like you know what I mean. Like yeah. as, a, as a kid, that's how I looked at him. Right. Uh, that's yes. what he felt like. I get it, Quinn. And the thing about him is now that you combine that character with their second most important title, and I guess you're right. We did fast forward because he had a series of matches on the house show loop with none other than the recently heel turned Randy Savage prior to WrestleMania five. They had this little house show feud oh, yeah. where it was champion versus champion. Warriors was not on the line. Mm-hmm. Savages was. Intensity could not be written in much broader terms, Macho Man. Randy Savage, you have come to the lot of men and dropped a lot of people. But the Ultimate Warrior earned the title of the Ultimate Warrior by dropping men beneath the ground. Sorry, I'm having trouble understanding right now. But I thought that was really great that they even put Warrior in that spot. They had yeah. Savage work with them. And I think that, in general, that before we got to Root, they were behind the Ultimate Warrior 150%, if that's even possible. Well, because he was so new. Yeah. It was different. There wasn't someone... He wasn't like Hulk Hogan. And also, look at Eam. You could sell yeah, merchandise. Look at look, that. Right. I mean, seriously, like, he... I can't state it enough. I think his name is so cool. It's a great name. he... He just looks out of a comic book. Like, Ultimate Warrior is such a fitting name for that. It's a great name, and the crazy hair, the tassels, the physique, the face paint, like you said, the wacky promos. Yeah. Awesome power style of wrestling. Right. Really cool stuff. The gorilla press, the big splash. Everything about him was these edible little bites. Like, you could soak it all in. You didn't have to think too hard about it. You could soak it it all in, but you also couldn't get enough. Like, it always felt like, because of the mystique, there was something you were missing, and you needed to find out, what is this guy's deal? Right. And they finally humanized him a little bit at WrestleMania 5 because he's in this feud with Rick Rude. Right. And Rick Rude underrated as he is. You know, I yeah. mean, honestly, a now, great wrestler. Also, I must say, Rick Rude was treated as a big deal before this. I mean, yes. he, was, he was a super, he was one of the top heels. Like, yes, he was. Yeah. So it's not like this was kind of like a really big confrontation here. Right. It's like Rick Rude, he's been, you know, Jake the Snake, he fucked with him and right. all this bullshit. And it's like, he's no joke. And now he's fighting the ultimate war. Like, what's going to happen? And what happened was Bobby Heenan uh, interfered a little bit, you know, grabbed the leg there on a suplex mm-hmm. attempt. And Rick Rude, surprisingly, the big upset, he becomes the WWF Intercontinental Champion defeating Warrior at WrestleMania 5, which was shocking probably at the time. I always thought that this was such a 
interesting title. I did not even seeing it on tape because I didn't get to see it at the time. But right, I of course. didn't really expect the Ultimate Warrior to lose it because <laughs> no. I didn't know anything. You know, I'm watching WrestleMania Five for the first time. I'm like, right. oh, I guess he just kicks his ass or whatever, right? Like, <laughs> right, of course. Like, and he when Rude gets away. Yeah, I'm just like stunned. And it was stunning. Now, if you go back and watch the the Saturday nights and you know Saturday nights main events and uh, sure. all the bullshit that followed prime time and everything, Rick Rude's run as the champion was basically gloating. Oh, that, the like, whole time, yeah. And Bobby gloating, and they got the Warrior. They got one up on him. They, exactly. They're the only people that were able to stop him. Yeah. And they basically build towards, throughout the summer of 89, they build towards the big rematch at SummerSlam 89. And this match, yeah. This oh, is, this is fantastic. This is one an all-time SummerSlam moment in my eyes. It's almost as it. big as when the Warrior won the title, which is another all-time SummerSlam right. moment. Warrior's a great history at SummerSlam, by the big, way. Big time. At yeah. all the pay-per-views, Warrior, I'm going to say this, he comes through. At the pay-per-views. At yes. the pay-per-views. Uh, you know, day-to-day, maybe not Maybe so not, much. but man, when it counted. So, the big rematch, SummerSlam 89, the cocky, arrogant, gloating champion Rick Rude. And Ultimate Warrior and Rude have a much better match than Five. And Fives is pretty good. Yeah. Fives is, is not bad. But Five is more of a setup. Right. That's, that's how I always felt about Five. Is supposed, there's supposed to be some cheap shit, and that's it. Correct. But this one hammers at home. They go all out. They have a fantastic match. The crowd is into it. And Roddy Piper pokes his nose in, in a bit of mm-hmm. poetic justice. Yeah. Because Warrior lost the title because someone interfered. Right. Piper appears. I think he moons Rick Rude. So finally, the Warrior wins. And the crowd in the Meadowlands goes crazy for the right. new Intercontinental Champion. He regains the belt. Drops it down! The Warriors! it over! Yeah! Let's get the official word! And that's his second run. Now, I want to say this about his second, that second title win. Yeah, go ahead. To me, this is a big turning point in the Ultimate Warrior trajectory. Absolutely. And that's... This was huge. All the great Intercontinental Champions, you can say, like, something during this reign helped. And to me, this established that, okay, we can make money with the Warrior in, like, main event programs, like, at big-time pay-per-views that everyone's ordering. Correct. You know, they want to see the Ultimate Warrior either overcome the odds or Mm -hmm. be the champion or maybe if he loses it, what if he loses it? Right. You know, like, is he going to come back? And, like, you know, that this was the template, this SummerSlam 89 thing. And I think they had such faith in them that they put him in a variety of feuds uh, after winning the title. He had a series with Andre the Giant where Andre jobbed to him rather quickly of his own volition, but Warrior got put over Andre the Giant, you know, right. in a series of house show matches. He also feuded with Earthquake and Dino Bravo. Right. That's how Earthquake mm-hmm. debuted, actually. Mm-hmm. That's unfortunate. By the time we hit 1990, though, the Warrior's hair is amazing. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and it is... The best hair. You could smell the main event on him by this point. Oh, yeah. By early 1990. I right? mean, the whole look is, like, slightly upgraded. I like to think of him as, like, I don't know if you know what this is, but Super Saiyan yeah, Ultimate Warrior. Is, like, like he's not, anime or something. Not 70. I, yeah, I know what that I, means. I'm just, I'm just saying. He, he, You're there, just saying. There, Super there, Saiyan. He, he is... Mm-hmm. He looks fucking awesome. He looks he like... Does. Now it's like not even... It's, it's At first, maybe it was a rinky-dink comic book. Now right. it's like fucking Marvel or something. Right. Like, you know, like he's yes. like top tier. He looks like a freaking superhero. So he and Hogan have this confrontation, the world at the, champion, at the Royal Rumble, at the Royal Rumble, and a few other events after that. Now, this is another big deal to the Intercontinental title part of this, is that, holy shit, like, the Intercontinental champion 
and the world champion are in the ring at the same time and they have to fight each other because it's the Royal Rumble and it's every man for himself. And they're both good guys. And they're both Don't good forget. guys. This is unprecedented at this point. It really is. I mean, this is unbelievable. And be and because of all the good work done by the Savage and the Hunky Dunky yep, and the Ricky yep. Steamboats and all this, all of a sudden it's like, well, that shit we keep saying about how the Intercontinental title is the number one contender. Yep. Well, look, he's standing toe to toe with Hogan and <laughs> exactly. he's like, and they're like equals. Exactly. This is the first time that the Intercontinental champion was side by side with the world champion and it looked equal and they obviously parlayed that into that classic main event at WrestleMania 6. Right. And maybe this is the biggest triumph for the Intercontinental division as a whole. Yes. If we're, if we're just talking about the Intercontinental title here, right? Right. Yeah, go ahead. The Intercontinental champion beats the world champion and takes his title. Amazing. And that's the end of the Warriors run. He doesn't he even doesn't lose even it fucking lose the second time. Jack Tony says never fucking again <laughs> right. like you have both. <laughs> which was it. never anything. I don't like because later people were able to have two later titles but like that's well, uh, that's Tony was Jack- on his way out. So that's the Warriors reign. We'll get more into the intricacies of how good it was when we come to ranking time. But right now we have to welcome another person, Quinn. It's we have two, right? And well, we who's the other guy? Well, let's all find out now who drew number 8. He's cool, cocky, he's bad, wow. it's the honky-tonk man! Well, this is interesting, because, Holy you know, shit. The, the man, the warrior beat for his first bell. Right. Here he comes. He's this, here, the honky-donkey. This is random, folks. Okay, the honky-tonk man, now we can roll it back a year prior to SummerSlam now. Roll it back. So, you mentioned briefly, in passing, Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage. After that great reign that Savage had, and obviously that phenomenal match with Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3, right. this jerk-off that had fought Jake <laughs> Roberts at that same WrestleMania, yep. mm-hmm. the guy that came in as a face in suspenders and was like, I love all of you, and then he's like, am I heel or am I face? And, and the they're survey. Like, yeah. yeah, and they're like, you suck, right? Yeah. So then he turns heel. That same guy happens to get himself a match with the new-ish Intercontinental Champion in June of 87, okay? Mm-hmm. WrestleMania is the end of March, mind you. Right. <laughs> it airs on Superstars in June of 87. I, I love this so much. And uh, I guess Ricky Steamboat in real life had wanted to take some time off and be with the little dragon and, and Bonnie. Bonnie. Yeah. <laughs> Bonnie. They, they would later appear at WrestleMania 4 if you don't know who we're talking <laughs> yes. about here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a sound drop or two yeah. will do right now. He's saying, I don't understand what's going on here, but this is some kind of a happening and I'm part of it. So anyway, <laughs> Honky Tonk Man, this flabby... Elvis impersonating, pretending that he invented Elvis, asshole gimmick, the thank you very much, and the Cadillacs and all that. Joe hates him so much, folks. The character. If you didn't know. The character, yes. He defeats this heroic intercontinental (laughs) champion in about three minutes with like a flabby roll up off the rope while holding the ropes and everyone's pissed. It's so good. It is such an amazing way to start one of the best intercontinental title runs of all time. It's amazing because it's just such a middle finger 
Like it is, it is. Yes. Fuck you. Like I am. I just showed up, and now, <laughs> yeah, I'm, the and now I'm the champion. I look like shit. <laughs> right. I don't care. I like to play the guitar badly. I got a colonel. Jake the Snake beat just the shit so, out of me a, mi- a but few he minutes won, ago. But yeah. he won it yeah. three anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but here just you like, go. Just like the corniest, lamest, most annoying gimmick you can think of. They knew what they, they had. Knew what they with, were doing. But I'm saying they knew what they had when they found this guy. Absolutely. It's like he's got a face you want to punch. He's just so irritating, yeah. right? So we have now Honky Tonk Man. Now it seems, you know, if you're watching along back then, you're probably thinking, oh, this guy's not going to hold gonna, this show. He's, he's gonna a heel. Lo- he's going to lose yeah. the first <laughs> right. face that comes along. So he doesn't lose. And that's the problem is he keeps <laughs> winning. He defends it against all kinds of people. Well, okay. So you say winning, but like, <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't always win is the thing, yeah, right? Yeah. That's the other thing. Not only does he retain the title, he doesn't necessarily always win while he's retaining the title, which yeah. is even more brilliant. He takes advantage of the rule that says that you have to lose the belt by pinfall or submission. That's correct. And he yep. leans on that very hard. Oh, he <laughs> leans on that extremely hard. Now, I guess one thing to mention about this too Savage had done it as the B show like headliner, right? Savage was able to headline the B circuit as the Intercontinental Champion because he was that over. Right. Honky was able to do that as well and probably better. I'm not sure what the numbers are. Okay, I'm not Meltzer over here with the mansion and everything like so, that, but But there's a there's a reason and there's a difference. What is that deep seated reason, Quinn? So here's the thing. Randy Savage. Yep. Right? Yep. Randy Savage, he was like, I'm a good heel like uh, as a wrestler i'm good at wrestling right yes pretty and, much uh, you hate him because fuck it he's just good and he can beat whoever the hell he's fighting right, right of course yep with the hunky donkey he's a heel also but he stinks at wrestling <laughs> right, he's awful yeah. like and you're just like how the fuck is this happening right like, right how, how are all these people going down like schmucks <laughs> right, to right. him like this is bullshit among those people are jake roberts who had a big series with him in the summer of 87 on the right. house show could not win the title right right and then this is even better he provokes honky tonk provokes randy savage who had been a heel right, right by saying i'm the greatest intercontinental champion of all time it's been like three months you yeah, know meanwhile <laughs> savage is, is coming off what you know in kayfabe was like the greatest run ever even though we know yeah. it's just george Steele or whatever and he's but, like oh fuck you you know i'm the best intercontinental champion so savage turns face right just only because he's like i can't stand for this shit right. like this fucking asshole so they have a series and it's televised i think there's the Boston Garden, maybe on MSG, but they have a great series but throughout the, 87. The famous moment. Right, of course. The famous moment. So, Miss Liz with the lampshade, right? Miss Liz. And, and the Heart Foundation's involved. Yes. And so, Randy Savage gets, like, double-teamed by the Heart Foundation. They hold him back. Oh, it's fantastic. Hunky, he's about to hit hit him with the guitar. Yep. And then Miss Liz was, don't do it! Oh, Randy! But, yeah. like, this time, the oh, Randy, like, works. Yeah. And it, like, holds him off. And then, of course, Hulk Hogan eventually makes the save. Yeah. And that's how the uh, initial alliance between the two are formed. Because of Honky Tonk Because Man. of Honky Tonk Man. Because he's such an asshole. And look at the Honky Tonk Man gesturing in front of Randy Savage with a hot tongue. Wait a minute, Elizabeth is back! Elizabeth is coming back! What courage and what brilliance this lady had! What a person of mind to bring help and help be unsought in the form of this man, the World Wrestling Federation Jackass! He keeps feuding with Savage, and people keep wanting to see Savage just get his hands on this fucking guy and win the title. So we finally have the main event, okay? So right, yeah. you got to picture this, folks. The main event in February of 88 was unprecedented for the WF because they took the Saturday Night's Main Event concept, which was on NBC, but Saturday Night's Main Event was on at 11.30, 11 right, o'clock, the Saturday right? Saturday Night Live time slot. Right. And it was just like a fill-in, like when right. it wasn't on. Yes. 
The main event was on a Friday night in prime time. Scheduled. And live. Yeah, and live. Live. And they trusted not only Hogan and Andre to do their thing, but what else did they put on there? Honky Tonk Man defending against Randy Savage. Which was a match everyone wanted to see. Right, and the crowd's hot for it. Now, Savage wins by DQ, I believe it of is. Course of course he does. Of course he does. Because Honky always right. gets away somehow. And then that led to the Beefcake feud that we had mentioned. Right. Which, uh, what a package, of course. What a package. <laughs> and uh, Peggy Sue, <laughs> sensational. <laughs> yep. Sensational Peggy Sue. I won't, sensational I won't, Peggy. I, I won't reveal. Don't, yeah, don't do um, that. The secrets. It's not nice. We don't, we're not the sheets, folks. No, we're not the sheets. Yeah. So they have a match which sucks at WrestleMania 4, like I mentioned, and then finally it leads up to SummerSlam 88. We've come full circle now discussing the reigns, right? which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Honky's main thing, though, before we get to ranking, mm-hmm. is that he was a heel champion that, like you said, he did. He wasn't a heel champion that was supposed to be a good wrestler. Right. He was a heel champion that you figured was going to lose at any given second. And you figured this for what ended up being the longest reigning Intercontinental champion of all time to yep. this day. To this day. Um, and they literally kept you waiting for like a year and a half or whatever it was. A long ass time. A year and three months almost. A year and three months. Isn't that crazy? Just because he was so damn good at it. Yeah. So this is going to be a very hotly contested ranking. I want to I wanna prep you guys on this one here. We are going to do our very best to be scientific. Okay? We can't let emotions here and feelings get in the way. There's people on this list that because especially because this is the workers belt joseph yes michael um that people will say well how can this guy is a better worker it's not about the working it's about were they a better champion it's not about your favorite either and that's and that's kind of why right now even the perfect example is i mean bret hart and randy savage right yeah now, on any i know given sunday Which you is... might think randy savage is a better worker than bret hart or you might think bret hart's right, right, a better right. worker than randy savage and the legacy of savage is that he's one of the greatest intercontinental champions bret doesn't usually have that tag attached to him no, he doesn't, but he was, I mean, we looked at the rain, and yep. it was really fucking good. Right. So we're going to get our microscopes out now. I want to yeah. run down the rankings before we, uh, as we get our lab coats on here and everything, mm-hmm. Quinn. Number one again, Bret Hart. Two, Randy Savage. Three, The Rock. Four, Mr. Perfect. Five, Razor Ramon. Six, Chris Jericho. Quinn, we're starting with Warrior is it fair to say, without really analyzing it, that the ultimate Warrior is a better Intercontinental Champion than Chris Jericho? Let's see. Chris Jericho isn't anymore close. <laughs> no, like, he's definitely not yeah. close. And I don't even think we need to really debate that. But I think we'll talk about Razor real I quick. I feel bad for Chris Jericho. I don't. All those reigns. Oh, yeah, but they all stunk. Yeah, Science. But, he, but hey. Science. The, the reigns count? Microscope. Okay. Micrometer. All right. might, is Chris Jericho, I wonder, is he somehow like the longest reign if you add the reigns up? Probably. It's gotta be, But right? I'm not gonna... Nah, I don't even think he would be. Oh, uh, wow. He didn't have any of them that long. <laughs> that's true. So Razor Ramon and Ultimate Warrior... Okay. What are your immediate thoughts on this one? Because Razor was good. My immediate thoughts? Yeah. Um, what do you think? Well, Razor was very good. Yeah. Um, only like half of his his runs as the champion, like the first two, yeah. are like classic and notable. Every single aspect of the Ultimate Warriors Intercontinental title run, and this is why I feel like he's such a strong contender in the first place. Right. Every single thing of it feels like main event. Like it feels like a big deal. Right, and for Razor, you can really only say that about two matches that he had on pay-per-view. Right. WrestleMania 10 mm-hmm. and SummerSlam 94, which isn't nearly as SummerSlam big. SummerSlam 95 also. That's but he a- wasn't the champion then. But didn't... No, but that oh, doesn't no, count. you're right. He, he wasn't the champion. You're right, he didn't. I, I always forget that. Yeah, yeah, Sean was the champion. Yeah. So, but so that, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. So, while I like Razor's reigns, 
Mm-hmm. I do. I think the first two, like you said, again, the third, maybe you're just joining us. The third was like a couple of days right. in 95. And the fourth was like the accidental because like, Dean Douglas and like, Marines and like, stuff. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> so that Dean one. Dean Douglas. Yeah. Dean Douglas. So I'd say that the warrior is better than Razor because he was a, almost a borderline and technically it was at WrestleMania 6, a main event Intercontinental Champion. You can't say that about many people. No, you can't. I think only like Bret Hart. Yeah, like, and Savage, maybe. No, not even Savage, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, not even Savage, yeah. Okay, Mr. Perfect. Mr. Ma- Perfect is beloved, Quinn, as an Intercontinental Champion. Which I don't understand, which I've discussed on this ranking. Um, it, he, he should be thankful he is where he is right now. <laughs> Excuse because, me. Well, listen, like, he, if he didn't lose it to Tornado, and, like, that, like, derailed this whole thing. Like, it, it really fucked everything up. Yeah, he would have been the longest reigning if yeah. he didn't lose it to Tornado, imagine, Warrior you know, would have been too. He if he didn't able lose to it, add that to the list of stuff he did as Intercontinental. But no, he's wasting away with Mister Mister Tornado over here playing baseball. Wade Boggs. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing, but he, <laughs> he's not being the Intercontinental Champion. Um, <laughs> all right, well, but, all right. Let's talk about it in terms of matches, though, because we got to also bring match quality so into Mr. this. So Mister Perfect fought um, Brett the Hitman and that, lost that's, it. But that's like the best thing. That's it. Yes, I'd say it's the best thing. He had a good shit with Tito. Yeah, he did in, but, the, in the summer of ninety. See, this is what. This is why I never understand the high the high praise of perfect because it's just it's not. I think it's because he carries himself like a champion. He, he does. just seemed like he should have been the intercontinental but you know champion. Who also carries himself like a champion? Who? The Ultimate Warrior. I think so too. He he looks like he should always have a belt on. Well, let's talk about Warrior's big pay per view appearances as IC champion, mm-hmm. shall we? Yeah. SummerSlam '88 wins it. Huge shocking moment. Not a great match, obviously. Yeah, but, but he shocking. beat the longest reigning right. champion in shocking um, fashion. And, uh, yes. Obviously, not the greatest match, but I mean, that's no. not what it's not supposed to be. That folks, that's it's not supposed what it's to be about. a squash. Right. So technically, uh, it's perfect. Rumble '89, he wins a bodybuilding posing contest. So okay, nice. Well, I mean, uh, see, you got to do you got to <laughs> you got to do stories sometimes, <laughs> Mister Perfect. There's no fucking stories. Boss man's mom. <laughs> Shit yeah, like that. I know, you're right. WrestleMania 5 loses it in controversial fashion in a pretty good match. Right. Now, here's where the loss is actually way better than Mr. Perfect's loss because it, like, it only goes to make the warrior better. Yes, Whereas it does. Whereas the perfect just makes, I don't know, like, what the St- fuck. It's status quo it's when he wins stupid, it again. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. SummerSlam 89, huge. Warrior's biggest thing to date right. when he wins it back, right? He's, like, practically semi-main event right. that paper. It's like a double main event almost. And then obviously like we said WrestleMania 6 he freaking main events WrestleMania as the Intercontinental Champion against the World wins. Champion and he wins. I'd say those things alone put him above perfect. Yep. I perfect. Think, in fact I think perfect only had the belt because the Ultimate Warrior vacated it. Vac- didn't even lose it. Yeah. He won yeah. and was forced to like drop it. Yep. Okay. So let's put him above perfect. This one might be harder though, Quinn. The Rock was very impressive. I must he admit, he really was. So, what are your what are your thoughts here? Because the the Rock, well, you could say it about Warrior too. I was going to say the IC title run developed mm. the Rock and launched him, but you could say the same for the Warrior. Warrior's IC title here's run. Here's the thing, though. Okay, here's the here's always going to be the dilemma against Warrior and other people is right. Everything about Warrior's run, and I I, I know I keep going back to it, but like this felt like the main thing. Like it, it, like you could end the card with the Ultimate Warrior. Like, could well, you, could not you re- when Hulk Hogan's there, Quinn. You can't. Let's not overstate this. I mean, he's very popular. At you can't. You can't end WrestleMania five by eighty nine. The Warrior is starting to rival the excitement, at least in on the card. The excitement, but you can't end WrestleMania five and SummerSlam eighty nine without without, no, without not, Hulk I'm, Hogan. Okay, I'm not saying that. All, All I'm right. saying is is that the, the the level of fan interest 
was oh, was huge was rivaled almost to the main event by by 89 at least truth be told though quinn by the time the rock was done being intercontinental champion in the summer of 1998 mm-hmm. he was where a couple of months later in survivor series winning the world title right, was, it was very similar yeah and the ultimate warrior was he didn't even have to drop the intercontinental title i to, understand to, that i'm just saying but it's that's booking okay uh, no i i get it the thing with the rock also is that while he had the the title and it was i love the run right i mean obviously we had him at number three but is it the, the thing I keep going back to, the other thing that I haven't said yet, is just the memorability of The Ultimate Warrior. It's like, it's just so, like, maybe I look at it with rose-colored glasses on, but, I mean, I just, there is something about this run that is just so memorable, so just feel-good. I agree, the rock, I agree. With The Rock, when I think of The Rock's run, I just think of random Raws and the Attitude Era and him like just surviving and kind of like getting by. And, yeah, I know, but it did help and I, him. And I love it too. Like, I'm not yeah, saying I don't do. like it. But, it did help him to become The Rock though. Yeah. I would, but the thing is, I can't say anything about big pay-per-view performances of The Rock other than the Triple H thing. That's Summer about Slam, it. yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah, the Shamrock thing isn't really great. Yeah, and we, <laughs> we always know about The Rock at that SummerSlam with Triple H and everything. Yeah. That's literally like the last good Intercontinental match for quite some time. Yeah, it's the last important run too it, for and, some time. And I wouldn't say it's like the greatest Intercontinental. T- but it's good. It's, it's just good. Not, it's not the greatest or anything. It's not as memorable. A lot of people don't talk about that match. No, SummerSlam '98. A lot of people don't. You're no. right about that. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that a lot of people don't talk about Rudin Warrior from SummerSlam '89, and I think right. they should. I mean, that's really good. I think that um, this is really, really hard. But I think that the Warrior trumps the Rock a little bit. I do too. I really I do. Agree. I don't know if it's just an intangible that I can't put my finger on. Because like you said, there's just some factor, the memorability or something. Like, The Rock was great, but I think The Warrior has all the qualities that The Rock's run did. They all they accomplished the same thing, which was get the guy over, keep the belt prestigious, yeah. elevate the whole scene. They both did that, but for The Warrior, I think there's just some intangible as a champion for his era, his time, I can't let explain me, it. Let me ask you something. Yeah, go ahead. When you think of the ultimate warrior, yeah. when you picture him in your head, close your eyes, picture him in your head, Yeah. do you picture him wearing the Intercontinental title, or do you picture him wearing the world title? The Intercontinental. Yeah. But is that because his world title run was shitty, though, Quinn, and the Rocks weren't? Yeah, but that doesn't matter here. I, I, what I'm saying is like... Well, the, I mean, I don't know. I picture Brett with the world title. To me, title. the ultimate warrior, he's a signature Intercontinental Champion is what I he mean. Is, what, what I mean by that. It's like... He's one of the he's one of those pillars, those, those is, men that you remember right. who held it. You're right about that. Yeah. That I will agree with. Okay, we'll put him above the Rock. Then now mm-hmm. we got to put him against Randy Savage. What do you think there? Because I don't know. This is where I might be at a stopgap. Here's the thing, Randy Savage. His main match, we all know, Ricky Steamboat. Yes, and that was the, losing it by the greatest Intercontinental title match of all time, and that's. And that's what we've we've settled on is propelling him this high in the first place, right? Because right. we we've looked at the rain, we we've examined the rain. If you want, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. Yeah. It's like two episodes ago or something. I forget. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's ultimately just George Steele matches and like Tito Sant- some Tito Santana it's stuff. A lot of that. But to be fair, Quinn, mm-hmm. there weren't as many pay per views for Savage to defend the title on either. No. Whereas the Warrior had his two big moments at a pay-per-view that didn't exist well, yet when Savage was champion. I'll say this. The Ultimate Warrior, you know, well, one thing he did, um, and we didn't even talk about it, but 
he really established how do you handle the Intercontinental title pay-per-view. I mean, honestly. He was, besides Honky, I guess, who defended it at four. Right. The first champion to have multiple. Face yeah. champion. Like, this, right. is, this is how you do this. Well, like, besides, well, Valentine and Santana had their feud. But the Ultimate Warrior really felt like they had a one-two punch consistently on pay-per-view during that time period. While he was Hogan there. and then Warrior, like back-to-back, basically, yeah, right? Warrior and then Hogan, yeah. Yeah, but no, yeah. but I'm saying like yeah. from top to bottom. Right. You had you had somebody to, McGuire to, to back him up at bat, right? right. Trout like, and whoever. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you didn't hit the home run at the Ultimate Warrior, right. Hulk Hogan could do it. Or yeah. if Hulk Hogan didn't do it later, you, you you could come away from that pay-per-view being like, man, that Ultimate Warrior versus Shit. Rick Rude was really good. Right, but, you know, right, right. Oh, that's really good point, actually. With Savage, unfortunately for him, um, like you said, less pay-per-views. Right. When he did have that at-bat, if you will, yeah, he sure. hit it out of the park. It's probably the one of the... It's like calling your shot. It's like one of the greatest home runs of all time. Absolutely, right. Um, but, Shot heard around the world, right? Perhaps. But does one great match outdo just consistent excellence at the Intercontinental level? I'm not saying the Warrior was a great wrestler. I'm just I saying know that, I know. that the Warrior was a great champion. Why did Savage make it this high then if this whole thing was based on one match? So here, here's, and, and I think we said this, is I think that the the match that ended up, that he ended up losing at, right? Yep. That match made it, the, the story of that match and everything, it made it, it came off in the perception and lasted in the memories of many children and now adults that going into that, Randy Savage was this great, he, he was unconquerable. Like, right, as a champion. And that's, and that's why it was such a, a triumph when R- Ricky Steamboat beat him. You know? You'd say that's a testament to the way Savage carried himself as a champion. I'd say it's a testament to the match. The match almost rewrote history overnight as to how great a champion Savage was because he, was it really? Well, I mean, he had him a long time. He had a long time, but again, he's facing stupid animal steel, and he stinks. He does stink. Like he's a, he's no threat. So you really you want to put Warrior above Savage is what you're getting out here. I mean, when I line him up, I just see excellence, excellence, excellence the whole run. I mean, the Warrior didn't get bad till after the Intercontinental Title. True, I agree. I Let mean, me- it was just a it was just a steep rise, and okay. all the great ones too. That's the other thing is Savage is also the same way. Yeah. But Warriors is steady, whereas Savage is this, it's like nothing, and then oop, like pops right. up right at the end. Let me ask you another question. Why do you think there is not the same level of remembrance for Ultima Warrior as one of the greatest champions as there seems to be for Randy Savage, where instinctively people think Savage, right? Why do people not instinctively think Warrior? I think it's because of the later stuff. It's what Warrior went on to do. Do you think it's also part of just Jim Helwig's reputation Jim as, Helbit, Hel- as a person? Yes, Jim's reputation, but... Which I mean, we don't have the per- the person that doesn't matter here. It, this is wrestling. Yeah, it's, kayfabe. it's his reputation, but it's also that world title run was, you know, went wrong. Even Less though it kind of was made up for Savage and Warrior yeah. at WrestleMania. After, yeah, it was only the world titles when he was bad, then after he was good again. Well, only until and, yeah. until he left and then he was spray paint warrior no. or whatever. I don't know. But <laughs> spray like paint warrior. after that, like he was never good again. But do you think it's also because the warrior has just probably an undue reputation yeah. amongst the internet wrestling community as being a bad wrestler when I have news for you folks? He delivers. He does. When it counts. When it counts. Some people say it's because he's working with uh, some so somebody. Um, so I also, you know, ultimately, no, no pun intended, ah. that um, self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior DVD did no favors to his reputation. Well, fuck that DVD. Just I mean, it's, I think a lot it's of a pe- I think a lot of people's outlook on the Ultimate Warrior is skewed because of that. That thing got around to everyone. Everyone saw that thing. 
was you know, brutal. He, most of the time, WWE isn't that successful when they try to do something like yeah. that. But that fucked him up, like I his know. reputation. To have a line of wrestlers come on a TV, and a lot of them, too, yeah. say, oh, he's crazy, and his yeah. promos were stupid, and, yeah, yeah. and he stunk, and he and he was bad at wrestling. And baseball cap. Yeah, and to get Bobby the Brain even show up like and him. just be like, he, he sucked. This is fucked up. And, like, I here's know. the thing is, if we just examine the Intercontinental it's title just run, wrestling. Which is what we're doing here. Correct. This is what this is, right? Yes, this, Michael. This is the royal rankings yes. of Intercontinental t- It's yes. not the royal rankings of the Ultimate Warrior's career. Political views or right. other or fucked whatever. up stuff uh, yeah. that he had. Whatever. It's this not nothing the, to do with the that. Warrior Award. It's right. not Ugh. any of that stuff. It is simply... Here's this Intercontinental title reign. How does this stack up against other Intercontinental title reigns? And you think um, it's better than Savage? Yeah, I think it's better than I Randy do Savage. too. Yeah. Now, Bret Hart. Now, again. This is, okay, this is like legit. I really can't believe I'm saying this, but I really think the Ultimate Warrior know. has like a shot here. He might, Quinn. And if for the record, folks, Bret Hart's my favorite wrestler. I didn't even want to shoot him above Savage. That was Quinn. So I'm not going to be doing any personal but that was a bias that, here. I actually wasn't going to do that at first either, but right, that right. was upon examination Correct. of the run. It's it's this Savage and the Steel thing that really hurts yeah. him, as far as his run is concerned. Right. Well, right now, Warriors above Savage, just him and Brett now for the number one spot. Right. What we have to ask ourselves is what would make the Warrior better than Bret Hart? Because Bret's the, the reigning champion right now. Yep. What justification is there for putting him above Brett? That's where so, we start. What we liked about let's let's start with what we liked about Brett. The quality matches consistently through through and through. You know, I thought I could have good matches. Yeah, I we right. know Brett, but it wasn't only just that. It was that it wasn't that only. He, no. he won the title in a big thing with Mister Perfect SummerSlam. He regained the title in a big thing with Piper WrestleMania. And eight. He, he finally lost the title in a huge in the main event. Just right. like the Ultimate Warrior, right? He lost it, but he didn't lose. But yeah, you know, but he lost he, to Davy Boy Smith. He lost it to Davy Boy Smith in the main event of SummerSlam. The only time I know of that, other than obviously WrestleMania Six, right, which is the other guy here, right, right, um, lost the title, right, in that match. But not only that, in between the big pay per view tent poles, he had good matches with people like Teddy DiBiase. Mm-hmm. He had stuff with Skinner, believe it or not. Yeah. He had a lot of matches he, with a lot of people. He took on all comers. That was his fighting champion thing that he would later do as world champion. Some things against him. Mostly, to be fair to him, he was a Coliseum home video champion. We agreed on that. I mean, that... Yeah, but his, he had his these three of, big pay-per-view matches that I, we mentioned. Yeah, three big pay-per-view matches, but he was more highlighted on the tapes than he was on... even You know, he'd be on TV and fight jabronis, but like they wouldn't hype his wrestling excellence of execution ability as much as they would show it on Coliseum video and be like, look at Bret Hart, he's such a good wrestler. Perhaps. I think, though, that what Brett did was carry on the worker belt tradition. Yes, he did. Which had started... To the, to the extreme, though. Like this to is the best it had been. At yeah, that point. this is this is the taking that going that route. Yes, basically. right. Whereas I think the Ultimate Warrior is the reverse of that, where right. he, he's taking the Hulk Hogan approach, yes. which is was unheard of in, in the Intercontinental Division as a secondary the, champion. Yeah, right, absolutely. To take the larger than life, a character. Um, you cared about the story. You cared about who could stop the Ultimate Warrior, you, and and if they did, it, would the Ultimate Warrior be able to recover? It's all story. It's all it's all right. comic books. It's all it is. It's all merchandise, and 
I mean, that's the mark of a great champion, if you ask me, too. That's the thing, is they each have a very big strength in one aspect. Brett, right. with the wrestling quality and the prestige, Warrior with the magnitude of his superstar, you know, status. I mean, he and, was a superstar through and through, where correct. Brett, maybe, this is nothing against Brett, yeah. but during his Intercontinental title run, he wasn't that a was, superstar. That was, it was questionable. You didn't, yeah. know, you didn't know what he would become. He was, he was a good wrestler. That's what he was. thought maybe this is the highest he'd make it. Correct. Right. You know? Now, Warrior didn't lose his, his reign. I, that is that is a big deal but, as far as we're talking about reigns here. But as is the mark of the top few champions here, all the guys that did would go on to become the world champion and very soon after, The Rock being one of them, mm-hmm. the other thing that's, Randy Savage being one of them, and yep. Bret Hart being one of them. The other thing of the two here is that they main evented with the Intercontinental title. This is true, and they both treated the belt with importance, mm-hmm. both in very different ways. These are very different champions. They're, they're extremely different, and... The smarky crowd, here's the thing, is they're going to fight to the death to not allow the Ultimate Warrior to have that honor. Perhaps. To be number one. Perhaps. However, I think that there is a good case to be made for the fact that Bret Hart might be just as underrated as the Ultimate Warrior, legacy-wise, as Intercontinental Champion. That's true. A lot of people just elevate Savage because of of a match or Honky. Yeah. Which we haven't even ranked yet. We We got that still to do. This is really hard, and this is not because I love Brett. It's because they both are really good, but differently. Yeah. They weren't really good at the same things. Here's the thing. I love Bret Hart's run. I really, really like it. But I still, even though he had that main event against Davey Boy Smith, right? Mm-hmm. Personally, and I don't know about, maybe, you, maybe you're different. That felt like it was like, this is only the main event because Davey Boy Smith is from England. Well, yes, that's, that's true. Right? No, that's that's why. Uh, um with the Ultimate Warrior, on the other hand, it was yeah. the main event because the Ultimate Warrior had been so great at that point in time. I'm not talking about holding Vince up for money two years later or whatever. Yeah. He'd just been so great, a money player, like a guy that was going to bring home the bacon for the WWF. Right. And it was shown their appreciation for that. They had the Intercontinental Champion beat the World Champion. But if I, that one thing, Quinn, is what's going to put Warrior in number one, then why do any more names? Why not end the rankings here? Because no one else did that. That can't be fair the only, enough. You, you know what I'm saying, but, right? I mean, here's the thing is that, and this is what happens when we get to number one like this, this is, right? Well, yeah. Is that both of these guys hit all the prerequisites already. I so know. now we have to point out the unique. This is what happens, right? Yeah. This is what always happens. Brett had the best matches consistently of anyone on the list. That's unique. That, that's Savage unique. had the best match, maybe, but Brett had consistently the best matches as Intercontinental Champion of anyone on here. Yep, and Warrior had the most... The biggest big, matches. The, and the biggest feel. The biggest the, feel. I know that might not be an no, official okay, thing, though. but you know what I... Do you guys... The, the uh, intangible that yeah, we were intang- talking about. The biggest feel. He right. felt like... The presence. He felt like the main event. He felt like a superhero. He felt like a superstar. So like, then what's more important? The, the matches or the feel? This is where it comes down to. They I, both I, have the prestige. The belt did not lose any prestige because of them. Yeah. They kept it very important. I can't see a reason to put Warrior above Brett, but, but I, I can't, can't see, see a reason, reason to put, put Brett above right. the Warrior. It's just yeah. that Brett's already there. Right. That's the only thing I've got, is yeah. that Brett's already number one because of the drawing. Again, I'm not trying to protect Brett's spot. I'm really right. not. I'm really, really not. Well, as the Brett fan, is there any weakness that you see in Brett? His promos weren't great, but Warrior. I mean, yeah, but, they're not but great was, that, either. Okay, to that point, I will say this. The Warriors' promos were unique at that time. They were not played out. Um, True. It, it's not 
2004 where Chris Jericho's making fun of them on a DVD. Right, right, like, right. It's, it's the 1980s. Everyone's saying dumb shit. Hulk Hogan's the world champion, and he the, says dumb crap yeah, all the time. the world champ of dumb shit. Yeah. Whereas Brett had a very direct, you know, I'm going to knock the daylights out of you, that yeah. type of thing, which is fine, but again, it wasn't. Yeah, against. Uh, yeah. The Brett maybe wasn't treated, well, didn't seem like, I don't even want to say treated, didn't seem like a big as big of a deal as people like Warrior and Savage before him mm-hmm. did as Intercontinental Champion. I don't even know if he it was treated as big a deal as Perfect was. Yeah. Even though he was better. I got a I got a weird question and maybe this maybe this will help make your decision. Yeah. If the Bret Hart, right? The Bret Hart. The yeah. Bret Hart and the Ultimate Warrior, right? Were in the ring together. Yes. They both had the Intercontinental belts on, right? Yeah. And you look at them side by side. Who do you think of just looking at them like that in the ring together? Face to face, oh, head to head. Know, who Quinn. do you think? Who really seems like? And you know everything behind it. And, I don't know because that should answer your question. Like, uh, like, Warrior is intercontinental champion. Brett is world champion, though. In my mind, that's the thing. Okay, so this is where it gets interesting. It's, it's that, I guess. I mean, is Ultimate Warrior is really known for the intercontinental title more it's than his anything. world title sucked? Right, but that has nothing that, to do with this. It has something to do with it. It doesn't though. Yeah, because if he had, was a really good world champion, he'd be known for that. I guess. Right? I mean, like, I Brett. I just think this... I, and The Rock. I have a really hard time, and I'll, I'll I'll admit it straight up since we're getting deep into this now. Oh, no. And we haven't even done Honky Tonk True man. confessions. I just don't see Bret Hart over the Ultimate Warrior. In as, what regard, though? It's, it's really just the, that it factor, it's that an superstar. Aesthetic. Like, I just look at the... He looks like the Ultimate Intercontinental Champion. I'm not even disagreeing with that. I'm just finding a reason to say... Could Bret Hart ever stand up to Hogan as the Intercontinental Champion and beat him? Yeah, but that's not fair. You know, I mean... I I just... I mean, like, I'm just saying there was something to this guy that they thought, wow, okay, like... Quinn, it's fine. We'll put him at number one. It's okay. I get what you're saying. I'm not gonna... uh, It's... It's heartbreaking for me, no pun intended, (laughs) because... I had to break that heart eventually. In the sense that I think Bret Hart clearly had the better matches. Yeah. I think Bret Hart was... Uh, but this isn't a smart contest. It, that's like, the problem. Yeah. There's an intangible to all of this. Yeah. Ultimate Warrior for number one. Now, the hunky, not to rush through it, but there's some things that don't need to be said because we've talked about the yes, previous yes, ones. Yes, yes, Honky Tonk Man, much better than Chris Jericho, right? <laughs> Without question. Same physique now and everything. <laughs> Honky Tonk Man... Again, honky is not about the match quality. Yes, and this is and this is the point I want to make because that's why the warrior is where he is. It's not good, and he had a couple of good matches. Yeah, that's the other thing is warrior had good matches <laughs> as did. the Intercontinental Champion. He did. Yeah, he did. He had like three on pay per view that are very good. Yeah, to be it's fair. True. To be fair. Yeah, Bretts are all better, but they're still all good. Yeah, Honky Tonk Man was such a hot draw as a heel champion which was just unheard of for yeah. a while like hotter than savage as a heel champion and that's more, crazy to say right holy shit more punchable you yeah. like you just he was he was now, an enigma savage you wanted to beat the shit out of but of course fucking hey like honky tonk man like i hate him right you hate him more than i you still hate him i know it's but, like and i can't 30 years later and you still Hate this man. And I have to catch myself and be like, "Wait, I'm getting it's like, wait, sucked you know, in." He's like a pretend wrestling yeah, right, character, right, right. right? Now, Honky is better than Razor Ramon. Yeah, oh, he's got to be in a weird way. I hate to say this, he's like another pillar of the Intercontinental Title Belt. All right, so where are we starting him then? Against the Rock? The is Rock he, was I, he better than Perfect? Yes, Why? as a heel champion, there. This is an easy. Oh one. yeah, this true. Is, that's a slow pitch. You know, yeah, I, you're right. That, you're right. That's, that's, that's too a cha- easy. Yeah, it's a that's a softball there. Yeah. 
Okay, Honky and The Rock are similar in the way their the reigns were positioned, in that they right. were both arrogant, cocky assholes that escaped with their belts. And two different eras, 10 years apart, right? But they had the same premise as champions, right? Yeah. The Rock hung on to his belt. He was an asshole. He thought he was so good, but he like never really won. Yeah, you know, just it, an asshole. It's, it's the same thing, but did Honky do it better? Here's the thing, is that that exact pattern that you're talking about... It was invented by Honky, right? I mean, it was, it was perfected by Honky. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, it could, Savage did the same thing. True. But it was perfected by the hon- Honky Tug Man. He survived only on that. That's impressive. As a, as somebody, I'm talking as a worker. Right, right, right. Because here's the thing, folks, is that the term worker, I think it gets too closely associated with good match. And yeah, it's not just match. match. It's also about, you know... Working so, the fans. Working the fans. It's, it's how well are you doing your actual job. That's why on the inside, not on the outside, fans hate Triple H in real life, but on the inside... His peers respect him because right. they realize he has that audience in the palm of his hands. They, they'll hate him for the rest of their lives. Yeah. You can't say that about many people. No. And with Hunky, I still get worked, like you said, 30 years Just later. Just talking about him. And it's nothing against the man. Yeah. It's the character. It's he positioned himself and he fashioned himself as this guy you want to hate, this guy you want to punch in the face, this guy you want to see every single face, every single night that he defends that title, beat the shit out of him, take the belt from him and celebrate over his body. Like, just stand on top of him and And it never happened until the warrior, right? Yeah, and it didn't happen. So match quality be damned? Yeah, match quality be damned. Is I mean, he better than The Rock as an the Intercontinental Rock Champion? The Rock has one match. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Fair. Now, okay. Honky Tonk Man, I, again, there's, you're not going to be able to say a match. But no. that's, again, this is not well, the what this is about. stuff is good, though. And, and, that's, and that's what, the to me, what the Brett Warrior comparison proves. Right. Okay. So we're going to put him above The Rock. Right. But Savage is probably his first real challenge now. Oh, yeah. Because they're similar. Savage did the heel thing before him. Do you think Honky perfected it, though, right? Honky perfected it, but okay. So here's two heel champions, a very similar vintage and style. And both very long reigns, too. Right. Almost the same length. And this is where, okay, now I I keep saying that the match quality doesn't matter, but... You know, when we hit to the top, that's when I that's when I told you that the script flips here because then it then it's like, okay, well if they're like the same fucking thing, like right. then what, like, what, what differentiates what, them? What differentiates right. them? And it's Randy Savage having that match. <sighs> honky can't say he had I mean, he had a great thing with the Ultimate Warrior in in the, in the most honky way possible. Right. To have one of the biggest moments. To have one of the biggest moments on losing. the card. And losing. Savage in his way had one of the biggest moments losing also. Right. But Savage changed the game. So you really think we cut off Honky at number four? I think that's okay. Uh, do you have a problem with that? I don't think so. I th- I think I'm fine with it. But do you think that's fair? I want to ask you something. Do you think, and I haven't seen much of it, to be honest with you, that List Honky is one of the greatest. Is that just a knee-jerk reaction yes. because it was his catchphrase for so long? Not only that, it's the, the fact that he can say that he was the longest reigning. To me, that's not much longer me, than Savage, the, by the, the way. The funniest thing about all of that is, ultimately, that was always... A little jab at Randy Savage during his time. It was. And it was oh that was what it was designed to be. Yeah. Like and and the whole point of it also was that everyone fucking knows the Macho Man's better than Honky Tonk right. Man. Even as Intercontinental Champion, he was better than the Honky Tonk Man. That's how their feud started, was because right. Honky was saying that already. Yeah. That is just a thing that is in fans' heads. Like that in Honky and that that show that's a credit to him, but it's not true. Now if we were talking strictly and I don't know if this is true, but let me hypothetically, right? Hypothetical situation. Mm-hmm. If I was able to show you who drew the most money as an Intercontinental Champion, mm-hmm. and I showed you all the papers, right, in Meltzer's office that are laying around, right, and it was Honky Tonk Man, 
then that might be in some fans' minds, okay, well, he's the greatest because he drew the most money. But is that all we're concerned with? No. It's not all we're concerned it's with. It's not. And I have a weird feeling that it's actually the Ultimate Warrior because how many fucking Ultimate Warrior shirts they sell? I mean... You know, I mean, yeah, all right. I, but strictly saying, tickets, yeah. let's say, yeah. that want, pay to see the guy. It's also hard to measure that because you don't always know why fans are there. Right. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. sometimes they don't go because it's like on a Tuesday. Exactly. <laughs> it's a fucking yeah. school night or something. Yeah. There's reasons sometimes, right? right, right. I hate that whole thing where it's like a draw. Not, you don't you actually know, know unless you have all the ticket stubs and, right. and, and, and they and, sign and, on it while they were there. Has to be the main event to even attribute it. To, yeah, to yeah, even right. Yeah. Oh, this is tough. I thought Honky would be higher, but that was I, before I even realized Bret Hart and Warrior would be this high. Right. The Randy again. I think that it's all perception. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, being the longest reigning isn't an automatic shoe-in. Because no. then you would say, like, in the modern times that Dean Ambrose is the greatest U.S. champion ever <laughs> or something. Like, Right. No, like I understand. You, you, like, I hate that, the, the longest thing. That doesn't, to me, that's not anything. And like, again, it's... It's interesting. Yeah. But, um, and, and actually, in Honky, spe- he's a special case because he got by off one thing, and that was being so unlikable. He's great at it. Yeah. Being so unlikable, and, and to me, that makes him a worker. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I mean, we don't know the, the professional wrestler, Honky Tonk Man, the person, Wayne, whatever his name Wayne is. Wayne Ferris, I Wayne think. Wayne Ferris. Who the fuck knows if his character was to be a wrestler? Maybe he was capable of doing that. Oh, like, I think so. I, I'm just saying. I think he was a, a lot of those guys back then were classically trained. Like, I even, think he even was. The, even the ones that you didn't really associate. Of I mean, they, they were pushed around in, in wrestling school. Oh, back yeah. Like, uh, Honky you, could you, wrestle. Yeah, you didn't just get there no, no, just no. by not being able to wrestle. No, like, he could he, wrestle. Yeah. He didn't have to. Yeah. Just like he, Hogan. He didn't have to. Just like Jake the Snake. Right. Let's keep Savage above him, which is controversial maybe to people. But I, yeah, I mean, why is Honky better than Savage? Yeah, I mean, they're both the same thing. The only difference is that one had the greatest Intercontinental title match of all time and one didn't. And one had better promos and it's not Honky Tonk one had Man. The, one had the, the biggest pop for dropping the title, the Honky Tonk Man, but I, I don't... Yeah, true. I still can't... Uh, I mean, that's Savages is probably also one of the greatest losses of the Intercontinental title ever also. Um, yeah, de- <laughs> debatably better than Honky's. Yeah. Okay. You want to leave him at four? I'll do that. Okay. I think that's a good spot. I think it is, too, because I don't think that just because he called himself the greatest and yeah. he was the longest reigning means he actually was so the just best, at, best. Just, just looking at the top four to close out, that looks like a Rushmore to me. I think it's very close, actually, to our Rushmore. It might be it who really? is on our yeah. Rushmore. I have to look. I know Joe Merkel knows, but Quinn, are you ready for the official rankings now that we are here? We have made it. Let's do it, okay. Joe. <laughs> I'll do it at number one. Wow, the ultimate warrior, Quinn. The, the ultimate intercontinental. He's very ultimate. And number two, still holding strong, Brett Hitman Hart. Controversial, close, but... Uh, very close, but no cigar. No cigar. Number three, the macho man, Randy Savage. Who would have ever thought? Number three. I know, it's weird, right? At number four, the hunky donkey man, Quinn. That's a controversial spot for the, the, the man. I think it's fine, though. Yeah. Number five, The Rock. Very yeah. good. Number six, Mr. Perfect. Not very flawless there. Yeah, not very perfect. <laughs> number seven, Razor Ramon. The Razor one. <laughs> yeah, and number eight, because he's going to be last. Let's just face it. Chris Jericho. Oh, he stinks. <laughs> Folks, that's our Royal Rankings. This was a long one. Thank you for sticking with us. And we want to know yours. You can read us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Email us or join the group. Quinn, when we come back, it's some shit in Japan, but it has English commentary, and I can't wait to find out who they are. That'll be coming up <laughs> right after this. Reason number one, not that it really matters, but I've become a big singing star now. 
I'm even a better singer than Elvis Presley was. I've got the number one hit song on a new wrestling album, Pile Driver, called Honky Tonk Man, and it's done by me. <laughs> Reason number two. I have the best manager in the whole wide world. I've got a man for a manager. I've got the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, the greatest manager of all time. And reason number three. Not the man. I want to tell you something right now. You're looking at the greatest intercontinental heavyweight champion of all time. Yeah. And listen, Big Mouth. People with Big Mouth get themselves in big trouble. You want to wake up with a macho madness hangover? You keep doing the thing, and you'll find out why. Yeah! Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It is episode number 137, and we're about to review something really weird. But before we get to that, Quinn, did you know, Quinn, in case you didn't, that there are other wrestling podcasts out there? I've heard of them. You have heard of some, right? Some. You're not an expert. I'm not really an expert on the internet. No, the uh, internet Podcasts, anything (laughs) like that. Can I explain that? So can you tell me? Yeah, yeah. Well, what are these things? Okay, there's a few other podcasts that also talk about older wrestling and their independence, meaning they're not funded by... Conrad Thompson and his empire of Who, podcasting. Who's, who's Conrad? I don't. I've never heard of him. A very smart man. Let me put it that way. Oh. A very very smart person. But here's some other smart podcasts out there. We can start with a wrestling podcast about nothing. WPAN. It is hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business. Unlike Quinn and myself, we're, we don't we don't do that. We're not in any business. We've never really. wrestled. Yeah, we're not really in a business. We have jobs and well, stuff I wrestled like that. When I was a teenager or whatever. So what these guys do is, is they bring their unique perspective as two guys that have worked in the business, but they're also fans of wrestling. So you're going to get some older memories. You're going to get some current goings on, maybe some interviews with people, some special guests. Really cool show. It's hosted by Mean Mike Crockett, a retired referee that's very retired. Very retired. Um, yes. Not so mean, really. A retiree. No, they, not mean. They just call him that. Yeah, they just call him that. And his partner is the Wine City Whaler, Quinn. That's right. I'm yes. saying it. Brian Malonis. He's got his new t-shirt, Wine, Wine, Wine. And yes. Wine. Um, it's coming to. It's coming in shirt stands everywhere. Yeah, shirt stands everywhere. So check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. It really is a fun show, and we think you'll like it. We also think you'll like on Thursdays. Man, the critically acclaimed Quinn one man show hosted by Petey Winston. It is greetings from Allentown. Paste Magazine gives it uh, four Elmers. <laughs> yes, it does. It wins the Elmer Award every yeah. single year in Paste Magazine. But check out Greetings from Allentown. It's one guy as he walks you through an episode of old wrestling, but he does it in such a way that you're going to forget you're listening to a wrestling podcast. You'll be so wrapped up in all the anecdotes and asides and various amusings of one Peter Winston. So check out Greetings from Allentown. And then the other thing is, if you like your retro wrestling, there while you're barbecuing. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, something that, it's something that I do a yeah. lot. Yeah, and coleslaw. Yeah, I barbecue <laughs> and eat my coleslaw while I listen to this show. Book in the territory with Mike Mills and his crew. They do two shows, Quinn. One is about smoky mountain wrestling, and the other is about the WCW, the NWA. They're around 1988 right now. Great stuff. That's the unprofessional wrestling podcast. It's book in the territory. So again, our three friends of the show that have nothing to do with Conrad Thompson. It is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown and Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. And Quinn, we're reviewing something that we've never done this before specifically. Well, this specifically. specifically. Although we, we're Japanese experts. I mean, we, 
We were there day one. Oh, remember? in Japan? In yeah. Japan, 1972. We Absolutely. covered it. Like, we covered the first show. We did. So, folks, we've done a couple of Japan episodes uh, over the course of reviewing things, including, like Quinn said, the first ever New Japan from 72. Yeah. We did something from the early 90s. We I did. I forget what yeah, that is. I but... forget. From 92, I think, or yeah. something. But we've never done this before, and we'll get into what this is. First of all, this is Richard Land's fault. Yeah, Just it's all Richard's that. fault. I don't know. <laughs> he, he was very insistent on this one. Yes. So I, I mean, so insistent. Did he come and give the tape into like our very hands he like, hand he, delivered the tape he, he flew here yes just that. for that yeah and then he got right the hell out of he's here he's just like uh, as he's like laughing yeah like, <laughs> because we have to watch it on his private jet yeah back to richard land yeah get it exactly not that's to be where, confused with larry land yeah <laughs> it's not near larry yeah. land yeah. thankfully and anyway this is folks it's new japan pro wrestling on Eurosport, but it is not see here's the one thing right out of the gate they do not ever once mention that it's New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's they very, we can tell. Yeah, we can tell. We're experts. Yes. We've been there since day one. They say International Wrestling Grand Prix right. titles. They mentioned that. But they never once mentioned New Japan. And basically what this was, from everything I could ascertain, is starting around 1994 and into the mid-2000s, Eurosport, a channel that we don't get because we're in America... Right. And this is Europe, you know, mm-hmm. England, Germany, places like that. Those are places. Those, <laughs> those are countries, right? They had this channel, Eurosport, and it would run older wrestling matches, sometimes only a couple of months old, sometimes years old, under the banner of something that was initially called World Superstars of Wrestling, and then eventually changed to Ring Warriors. And it was gussied up to be like it was current, and the announcers, which we'll get to, believe me, uh, would talk about things as if they were current, but sometimes we were running matches a couple of years old, sometimes recently. So let's just get into it, Quinn, because we can explain more as we go. This is New Japan Pro Wrestling on Eurosport. I believe aired in 94, but the matches, again, are from 92, 93. So, wow, this is, like, doubly foreign. We got Japan, <laughs> right. we got Europe. Like, what? Yeah, like, right, right. What even, and what we're country Americans is here? this? Yeah, we're Americans. Wow. This is really weird. And like we said, it's branded the World Superstars of Wrestling, Quinn. That's the name of the show. So... Like Joe, is this the fifth superstars? Are we? Is How this, many superstars? No, wait, is this the yeah. one? Is this the reason we can't watch superstars? No, no. How many of these are there? So we got Albert Patterson superstars. We got George Cannon superstars. We got, we got Eurosport superstars. Eurosport Vince's initial superstars, yeah. which became Spotlight, and of course Superstars of Wrestling by Vince. Yeah, there's a lot of superstars. Quinn. Yeah, this is insane. It's, it's getting lot. really out of hand. <laughs> yep. So we get a synth bass intro for like a few seconds before quickly cutting the ringside. Yeah, the intro was like. Not very good. Uh, no. Graphics of like a globe and various people jumping around. Right, yeah. Like it's New Japan, so you know. That's what you get. That, that is what you get. And my first question, Quinn, is why is Brutus Beefcake coming out with Jimmy Hart? What a package! <laughs> and why is he wearing the WrestleMania 9 mask? What are we doing? This is like the dumpy 93 version with the mask and Hulk Hogan colors. And of course, Jimmy Hart just has to be there. <laughs> like, this is the Brutus that's like insufferable. The WrestleMania like, 9 Brutus, yeah. do yep. not like him. I've never. <laughs> I have not liked him personally. I know you don't like him. Oh, no. This not here. hideous. This is not 1987 Brutus. That's good. This yeah. is not new champion package Brutus. <laughs> right. This is just fat lady in, in tassels. Like, he's horrible. With Jimmy Hart yapping around with yeah. him. And Quinn also, why is his name Eddie Boulder? Eddie <laughs> so, Boulder. I need to address this, Joe, because the announcers, first of all, they sound a little familiar. I'm not sure who they are just yet. They don't say their but names yet. they claim, like, Oh, we use the real fucking yeah, right, names. Right. You're like, fuck you, yeah. WF. Yeah, like, this, this is his real name, Eddie Boulder. And that's not even his real name. <laughs> it's like even, Ed Leslie yeah, or something. Eddie Boulder. So uh, I shit you not, folks. The announcers here, which I could not believe, 
are Craig and George. <laughs> Welcome back to the World Superstars of Wrestling. What amazes me, Quinn, is that he keeps getting hired after I don't WWF. Even under, I don't understand. Hi, I'm Craig DeGeorge, fans. He sounds <laughs> shittier here. Yes. He, doesn't, he doesn't sound like, oh, Matilda. <laughs> like he, does, he sounds like, hi. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like, There's what, that boulder. Why does he sound like I that? There is Jimmy Hart, the flamboyant manager of Eddie Boulder. And his partner, Oliver Humperdinck. Come on! Now, I will say one thing. At least Dink here is kind of calm and like he, uh, yes, he's he, serious. Now, he says multiple times, like, I'm retired now. Yeah. Like, and he's like very, like, he's not like, like a wizard or whatever. Wendy O. Koopa. That's like right. what he looked like to me yeah. as the wand. Yeah. <laughs> you never, you know what always bothered me about him at WrestleMania 4? Everything. He's got this like coat. He's got like purple on and like the sparkly coat, but he just has like white Reebok sneakers <laughs> on, like under all of that. Probably like you think like he couldn't just like get like it's a special occasion. He couldn't get sneakers that match, like even sneakers that match. He doesn't want to hurt his cankles. Yeah. So uh, we're like fifty seconds in here, and I swear I'm in <laughs> awe now. Like Quinn mentioned, Humperdinck says that you might know uh, Mr. Boulder here by another name, but you know they use the real names. Quinn, fuck you. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I have to say about that? Shut up. <laughs> exactly. Like, so Buffcake and Jimmy walk down the long ramp there, and uh, Ed is licking his uh, shears, which is very irritating. Hell. So his opponent makes his way out, Quinn, and it is Masa Saito. Good! Yeah, WWF 82 strikes all back. All right, good opponent here. We're, I love when this happens, whenever we read yeah, something yeah. like all that 82 knowledge that we yep. like invested in, yep, Joe, for when year. it comes back. It's always worth it. It's always good. So we got Saito here against Beefcake. Humperdink, by the way, Quinn, I'm sure you noticed this too, because the George sucks. Humperdink is carrying the broadcast. Yeah, I also have to say, nobody in the crowd cares. Like, You're right. This is quiet, even for Japan. It's eerily quiet, yeah. yeah. Now, Maybe you might recognize right Eddie Boulder as somebody else yeah. in another wrestling federation, but here at WSW, we use our real names, and this is Eddie Boulder. He's ready to cut and strut and do his thing. So uh, Humperdink tells us here that we're at the Tokyo Dome. That's actually not the Tokyo Dome. He fucked up. Oh, it's not? It's the Fuck You Dome. What's it called? The Fukoa Dome? The Fuck A You Dome. The Fuck A You Dome? Yes, the Fuck A You Dome. Arena. Yes. Anyway, uh, it sounds like a men's room, honestly. <laughs> it really <Yeah>. does. <laughs> and I want to mention here, too, before we get to the match, this, I was able to ascertain all the dates. I had to do a, actually a lot of looking to find out. Wow, look at this. Japan expert. Yes. Joseph Joe Murata. Murata. We'll add a P to your name. Joseph in, P. In Murata. It's yeah. not even my middle that, name. That's the honorable. Like, oh, if you get you. the P, Joe, like yeah. one day. Well, actually, I was born with the P, but. You, you, I was born with a P also. No, but the P is the middle name. Oh, thank yeah. you. This is from May 3rd, 93. Uh-huh. You wouldn't know this by watching the show. Mm-hmm. And it's from the big show that also had Hogan versus Muda. Okay. You say that, and I swear I'm, I'm, that... I'm right, yes, I, I say that. somebody on this stupid show yelled at some point, like, Hulk Hogan's gonna be here! In a few weeks, now, he said, yes. The, when he said that, though, the reason I got confused is because later on, a guy that sound, his name sounds like Hulk Hogan is here. Yes, there is a similar name to Hogan here a little yeah, bit later on. But it, You're it's right, weird Quinn. that they frame it like it's actually the Hulk Hogan. Yeah, but he he was on this specific Japan show, but not on this Eurosport show. Right, Very right. confusing. So anyway, the bell rings and a lockup goes to a strut for Beefcake there, and Craig's like, man, that's got to annoy you. Yes, <laughs> his, it does. What is his voice? <laughs> that's how he sounds. Another lockup and Beefcake struts out of the way of it, but turns his back so Saito just kicks his ass with big rights and some chops. Irish whip, huge clothesline by Saito. Both guys, Quinn, are doing play-by-play, which immediately irritates <laughs> me. I hate that. Saito now unleashing a series of chops on the A-Boulder. Boulder into the ropes. Boulder takes a clothesline. He goes down. Hit the head hard. 
Beefcake bails out of the ring, Quinn. Yeah, as I feel <laughs> like I hear a bus door opening. I don't know, like, what, <laughs> what, what is, what is going sound? on in the background? <laughs> I like, I don't understand what what's happening. <laughs> Back in a Greco-Roman is side headlock by Beefcake. We dick around in this side headlock for a while, and I'm pretty sure, Quinn, Beefcake is playing heel, but it's hard to tell with the lack of a crowd. I don't know what they're doing. They're is not there, reacting. Is there, like, a pop... Is this supposed to be, like, a break, this match? <laughs> yeah, like I'm a, not really... I'm not... I'm serious. Uh, like, I'm not sure what's happening. A sushi break? Yeah. Still maybe. in the damn headlock here as Humperdinck brings up the jet ski incident from Beefcake. <laughs> and uh, apparently, Quinn, this mask this mask has not been sanctioned by WSOW Wrestling. This show is a sanctioning body? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. The, Who the are, who's the president? Or GM or something? <laughs> I don't know. Saito breaks out of the headbuck finally and rams Beefcake's face in the turnbuckle to no effect, of course, because of the mask. This sucks ass, yes, by the way. Does. Like It's all like headlocks the whole time. Very poor. Buffcake here with a headbutt and then a side headlock takeover. Saito gets his foot on the ropes and Beefcake lands another headbutt. Both announcers don't th- seem to honestly think much of Beefcake, which it's sad when Craig DeGeorge thinks you're the drizzling shits, just for the record. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and Quinn, what the hell is this crowd noise? As we've been watching this match, what is this? I swear I can hear basketball sneakers. I heard squeak, that too! Like, squeak, squeak! What squeak. is this? Like every every couple minutes, squeak, 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 squeak. Oh, it's infuriating and it's uh, demeaning. I'm sure uh, Saito... Uh... Maybe this is like in a gymnasium, but like it's like it's like way in the back. Like you, you know what I mean? Like behind the crowd, there's also basketball there. What are they having a game of horse in the background? I, I don't know. They, they, they've been playing pretty intensely. <laughs> Same <laughs> movements every time. Seriously, too. it's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Beefcake gets a two count off of a rebound or some shit. Apparently, <laughs> I hate this. I, me too. I hate this. This match stinks. Like, it's really bad. You know what's annoying is like Japan, right? You're like, oh, good matches, right? right that's what I thought. But this match is garbage. <laughs> it's really bad, and it's not Saito's fault. Yeah. For the record. No. Crappy sleeper by Beefcake that Saito sells as if it's a rest hold, honestly, before powering out. This spot lasts the entire first quarter of this basketball game game going on, Quinn. Mm -hmm. As Oliver Humperdinck says, Kern buckle for a minute. (laughs) I heard that too, and I thought maybe I just heard it wrong. That's actually me thinking like, oh, I must have, he must have not said that. He actually does say Kern buckle, and (sighs) even Craig makes fun of him, and I have some trivia for you guys. That's the only time Craig DeGeorge has ever been funny. Saito, but Saito a third time oh. into the corn but, corn, corner. And Boulder finally breaking loose of the hole. Yo, corn buckle. Saito finally gets the hell out of there and tries to pull the mask off to no avail, and then he slugs away, but catches a low blow. I guess Beefcake is a heel. Mm-hmm. And Beefcake lands some bullshit forearms in a chokehold. Also, uh, to reiterate, why the fuck is Beefcake a heel? Well, he's not likable. Maybe Japan's doing it right, if you really want to be honest. It's just weird because Saito is always a heel wherever the hell he is, even in Japan. True. Why why the fuck is Beefcake? Well, to be honest, Quinn, Beefcake would still be wrestling the same way if he were a face. He's just like Hogan in 93. Dirty cheater. If this this match was taped in 93, then like Beefcake only in a year would be heel at Starcade. Don't bring that. Oh, butcher. I'm just saying. God. Anyway, Beefcake with a bunch of rights, but Saito herks up here, and Beefcake begs off. Big stomp to the gut by Saito, a side suit play, and then another. Jimmy Hart hops on the apron now, and the ref goes to investigate, so Beefcake grabs the megaphone, nails Saito with it, lands a few diving headbutts with a mask for good measure, and he gets the pin. This match was a piece of shit. Yeah, absolutely awful. Awful, Did terrible. you notice one weird thing about that final part there? Was What's that, that? Usually, like, when Jimmy Hart does that spot, he tosses the megaphone, like, over there head yeah. in this case it was like just sitting in the, it was corner, in the corner the opposite corner yeah that's that was, weird that was strange good point and now we come back to our next match ron power who husses his way down the ring 
<laughs> like seriously, who the hell is this? I looked him up. He was basically a Brody gimmick, and most of the time he actually wrestled as Brody Power, mm. and uh, that's all he has going for him is that he's a Brody gimmick. And his partner Quinn is Ludwig fucking Borga as Tony Holm, his yeah, real you, name. You mean Crumbling? Yes, he's Crumbling Mr. here. Crumbling. <laughs> I'll say this though, Quinn. Borga looks a lot more intimidating here than he really? does in the WF. He, yeah, he looks just vanilla. He's to got me. sunglasses like, on. He just—he looks actually like a less charismatic Ludwig Borga. <laughs> if you can—if that makes any sense. You know, who he kind of looks like Mr. Dream from Punch Out, really? the palette swap of Tyson. You yeah. think? Yeah, a little I, bit. I don't—I don't buy that. I'm not in. I—I I don't get it. You can look. Yeah. Now I've—I fought Mr. Dream recently, and it was. <laughs> It Wait, didn't look re- like that. Recently? Oh, that's right. Nintendo Switch. I had I was playing it on Switch, and I, I actually got up to him, which I couldn't believe. It's hard. Yeah. So their opponents here are Scott Norton. Okay, we know him. Yeah, we're aware of him. And TNT. That's right, folks. Quang is in the house. What the fuck are these mad? Like, what? <laughs> are, why are these? Why is Quang? <laughs> Crumbling, Krang, Brody, <laughs> Krang. Jr., Scott Heat Norton or whatever his real name is. What was his what, Flash? Yes, Flash. Scott Heat or Flapjack earlier on. Scott don't forget. Heat. Like Scott you should Heat start a Norton. blog. <laughs> so Borga has on some normal long tights, which are black and gray. So much better than that weird shitty Warren WF. I still think he it looks, looks similar. better. Yeah, I, he had no shirt on, if I recall. It this, looks though. better. Yeah, he almost looks like Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Seriously. Well, that's what I always thought Borga looked like. Yeah, and he was honest. an MMA guy. Yeah, it's true. So He also was like a senator or like the president of Norway or something. <sighs> he was a senator, yes, in Finland. Yeah, Finland whatever. is where he's from. You know, Finland. You know how I don't, I can't keep track of this. This should actually be good, though, match-wise. Let's find out. As they get introduced, which we don't hear for some reason, I don't know what's going on with the audio, and there's more basketball being played in the background, Quinn. I'm getting I don't I'm get, getting I, the feeling this audio is, is a little dubious. It is. I, right? I, I, it has to be, right? Yes, it's be, insane. Like, yeah. what, like, how is the same thing going on back there constantly? And you don't hear any introductions or any no ring crowd. noise, I've yeah. noticed. Yeah, it's weird. Savio and Borga start, Quinn. By the way, the ref looks like a judo coach. Yes, he does. Yeah. I uh, agree yeah. with you. Is that, is that fair way I, to put uh, yeah, it? Yeah, okay. Maybe Taekwondo, but let's go with judo. Maybe karate, possibly. Nah, he's let's more not judo. Get carried away. Yeah, yeah. Well. judo. Karate, you have to wear the gi, even if you're. The yeah, coach. he doesn't have a gi. Yeah, Borga facetiously bows, so Vega throws a kick in the air and then bows back to him, and I like that. Uh, lockup in a struggle. Borga pushes TNT back to the ropes and breaks clean. Another lockup. This time, Vega backs Borga in the ropes and breaks clean. A third lockup, as D. George mentions, how uh, Hulk Hogan will be here soon. Cool. Like <laughs> that's just a lie. Like I, yeah. I was the whole show. I'm waiting. Like okay. There was like two minutes left in this show, I remember, Joe, and I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, they said Hulk Hogan's going to be yeah. here. Like, I was like, oh, is he going to come for like the last minute? Right, no. Uh, and I should also mention now, before we get any further, this match was taped in November of 1992. Okay. So this is uh, this is six like months the, earlier. Before the last match? Yes. I don't understand. No clean break this time, as uh, Borga lays a right hand in the corner side. Headlock by Borga, push off the ropes by Vega, leapfrog and a kick, followed by a spinning heel kick, more squeaking in the background. The referee now is going to get in and call for a break. Irish whip by Borga and a knee to the gut. Vega has cleavage like Abdullah the Butcher here, by the way, I've noticed. <laughs> he looks pretty fat. He does. Yeah. Uh, big rights by Borga, but TNT fights back with more kicks. Borga wants to test his strength, but Vega does the up your sign to him. So Borga does the whole kiss my ass sign to him and then tags in Ron Power. By the way, Ron Power is just the worst name. It's like, not it so bad. Yes, yeah, singular power. Like, why the fuck is that? Why? Why know. would you choose that? Ron Power. Even Ron Popeil would be better. Like, is, is he serious with that? Set it and fucking forget yeah, it. That's a great 
Set it and forget it is a great even for wrestling that works. Like that, <laughs> no, that, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it puts him in a in a, a figure four or something, and he's like, "I said it, and I forget." It. And he yells, "Forget it!" And the fans like get into it. Okay, not bad actually. Yeah. If you followed all the instructional material, you just lots of hussing here that we can't hear in the audio lock up side headlock by tnt irish whip by power shoulder block which has no effect by tnt huge lariat by power sends tnt out of the ring and power hops out over him and drops savio across the guardrail he's literally just being bruiser brody it's Ow. not horrible but that's all know. this guy is you know I, uh, he's just, just acting like brody match this like hodgepodge of people yeah it's not yep. bad though yeah it's, it's, it's okay again, yeah you're right it's not bad it's okay Savio hops back on the apron and tries to suplex power out of the ring, but gets reversed and suplexed in himself. Big leg drop by power. Savio misses a corner charge and eats a big boot, not like Mel Phillips would. But Savio no-sells and TNTs himself up. Explodes, maybe? Detonates? You get it? <laughs> yeah. Some high karate now by Savio, but Norton is in with big chops. Irish whip. Shoulder block does nothing for either man. Okay. Pause. Stop. Yeah. I can't take it anymore. What happened? What in the actual hell is with <laughs> this audio? There's no way this is real. Like, I swear, it sounds like a continuous loop of a high school basketball practice. Like, seriously, what is this shit? And like, you know, what is it? And you know what, Quinn? I'm so glad you brought that up because it was around this same point that I figured it out, I think. And I'm going to let you fans decide because I'm going to put some drops in here. Yeah. I don't think it's basketball, although there is squeaking. I think it's fucking table tennis. What makes you believe that? Because I, 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 I analyzed the audio as I was listening to it. What, did you put it through Audacity? Yes. Oh, really? I, I, I isolated just the silence when the announcers weren't talking. Jeez. And oh, I compressed that's, it and that's I raised it. That's some real science right there. Forensics. Well, this is what we're here to do, folks. I mean, we're here to help <sighs> you. And from what I can tell, when I listen to some real table tennis, mm-hmm. it sounds very suspiciously close. So, folks, what you're going to hear right now, I'm going to give you two clips. The first one is going to be the audio from this wrestling show. Okay. And then after that, you're going to hear actual table tennis. Okay. And I want you to tell me if you think that's what it is. So you're going to hear that right now. First, the wrestling bullshit. Next, fucking table tennis. All right, let us know what you yeah. guys think. Very interesting. It could also be go. basketball. You're yeah. not wrong, but I think it might be table tennis. Anyway, Irish whip by Norton in the power clothesline sends power down. TNT back in. Irish whip and a drop kick. Power with an inverted atomic drop and a tag to Borga. Both announcers, Quinn, by the way, are still doing play-by-play, like alternating. I don't like that. Pick Honestly, one. it's kind of weird because the commentary, this might sound strange to you, Joe, yeah. but it actually didn't bother me as much because I was literally trying to figure out what the deal with the background audio was. I understand. Was. Like, it, like that, was more, that was so distracting. It is. That the, what they were saying, it didn't bother me anymore. Well, because you're not hearing any impact of the moves on the mat. You're not hearing any right. of the wrestlers yelling. Any- so you just spend 40 minutes trying to figure out what the fuck you're listening to. Yeah. Like, and, and that occupies your brain more than Craig DeGeorge being dumb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which ser- he is. Yeah. They're both kind of dumb, but Humperdinck's okay. Huge clothesline by Borga sends TNT down as Borga misses an elbow drop. And now we have a double clothesline. Power and Norton both tagged in and Power gets Norton in a full Nelson. Borga gets on the top rope and stumbles, like legit stumbles, but comes flying off of the clothesline. But Norton moves and... And power gets nailed with the clothesline. Norton with a fucking power bomb on power. 
to end this, and this was actually pretty good. It's okay. It was just crowd again, noise. Crowd noise. I know. I had no idea. Like, did like the hot tags matter? Like, I know, that's like, the, the problem the, is you can't tell. You can't. That really takes away from these shows. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of how this has been a really strange hodgepodge of things, the next match, I'm just going to tell you straight out, is from June 5th, 1993. And it's actually a match that was in the uh, Best of the Super J Tournament 93, not to be confused with the Jake Super J Cup that would be the following year. Right, this which is the, is round- the, the famous tournament. Yeah. There's like three of those. Yeah, the Jushin Liger one. The, that- there's also the 1998 one. And the, and the Chris Voldemort one. Right, and um, Pegasus Kid. Yeah. This is the one that they had been doing since 1988, and it was originally called the Top of the Super J, and then they change it to this best is the, of the one Super that J. today i believe in fact it might have taken place a couple months out as a press time here um, right press the, time. the best of the super juniors tournament which i think like will osprey won or something this year don't get me started on he, him he's good so this is two really good wrestlers and this i was very pleased to see this it's an excellent match and the only thing i wish is that we could hear the crowd but let's go it's lightning kid that's right sean waltman taking on eddie guerrero and this is good too bad there's zero reaction from the high school gym or whatever. I know. It's really frustrating because this is great, and I bet the Japan crowd was wowed by some of this stuff. How did they figure out how to break this? Like, in all honesty, <laughs> right, like, right. all you have to do is show the fucking footage. I know. Like, I don't get it. Why, how do you make this this bad? The only- like, you could have even picked any kind of crowd thing. Like, Vince knows how to sweeten stuff. That's yeah, not hard. True. Yeah. They just used a loop of something else the it just whole time. Of, and it's the same loop. It's bad. I hate that we have to keep saying it, but it's really, like, it's destroying distra- like, every yeah, match. Like, I know. absolutely every match is ruined by it. So we'll do the best we can here with uh, audio notwithstanding. Eddie with a clothesline to start and a body slam and then off the ropes with an elbow followed by a chin lock as Craig lists off all of the Guerrero names that he knows. Yeah. Mondo and Chavo. That's it. He thinks he's like an expert. Like, he, <laughs> then he, he says, like an idiot. Then he says Gary Guerrero. I think he meant Gory, though. <laughs> Such an idiot. <laughs> Gary. Who hired him? Remember Gary Guerrero? Yeah, yeah remember him. That, 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 Kevin Guerrero. Yeah. Jim Guerrero. <laughs> yeah. Steve Guerrero. Yeah. Irish whip by Eddie here, and he tosses Kid 100 feet in the air, which is a favorite spot of Sean Waltman's. Another Irish whip, and Eddie tries again, but catches a drop kick from the Kid. Eddie off the ropes again, leap, leapfrog by the Kid, and a spinning kick. Great stuff so far. Kid does some uh, high karate posing for fun actually joe i have a question for you yeah yeah, yeah. and you're usually not a fan of cruiserweights like what is so different about this to you that what do you mean i'm not you? i like, like cruiserweights you, i think but i i think just i never hear that excitement like as much as i get so excited for it so is there something it's a good wrestling match yeah, i'm saying is there something more hard-hitting about this version like eddie Guerrero is a little bigger and, and um like and i just used think to they did a great job fighting. together Okay, I, really, I was just curious. And I love Sean Waltman. I was just curious because I always noticed that you point out cruiserweights like this, like Eddie Guerrero and one, two, three, or yeah, Sean Waltman more than say, um, I don't know, like all those crazy wacky ones in WCW. Well, it's not often we watch a lot of WCW stuff right. with them, but I like I like a lot of that stuff. Uh, so anyway, here, uh, kid tries a hammerlock. Eddie snapmares out of it and kicks kid in the back. Big uppercuts by Eddie, and he tosses kid outside. Eddie Irish whips the kid into the guardrail and drags him back in, putting him in an overhead. Backbreaker submission. The Jesse Ventura Ugh. special here. Come on, Eddie. He drops down into a backslide for two, which was cool. Crucifix by Eddie gets two. Seated abdominal stretch now by Eddie. There's a definite clip here because as kids powering up, he's powering up out of a side headlock, not the abdominal stretch. I noticed that too, yeah, actually. And that, that is weird. I didn't know what that was, but I didn't, again, I didn't pay it any attention because, again, the fucking crowd. I know. That's the only problem. That's the problem. Not, not them clipping like probably like four seconds of the match. <laughs> yeah, right. Off 
throw-ups is Eddie with a shoulder block. Drop down by the kid. Leapfrog, but Eddie comes off with a flying head scissors and then a drop down power bomb for two. This is great stuff so far. Yeah, it really is a great match. Eddie grabs an armbar on the mat. He drags kid back up and lands a back elbow off the ropes. Nice fall away slam by Eddie gets two. Chinlock now, but Kid powers out with an arm ringer, Irish whip, and a big backdrop. Irish whip again by the Kid, but Guerrero reverses a backdrop into an arm drag. He tries a drop kick, but Kid avoids and sends Eddie outside, then leaps up top and lands that beautiful front somersault splash to the outside. I love that move. Fantastic. That, yep. that was great. That was a great spot. Great spot. Eddie shakes it off, though, as uh, Humperdinck here erroneously states that he has a 10 count outside. Not, have you been to Japan? I don't think <laughs> Dink's not. been to Japan. No, apparently because not. Because it, it, it's very notably a <laughs> yeah, 20 count. 20. Eddie pushes Kid away from him on the apron and then lands a springboard missile dropkick into the ring, which sends Kid out of the ring. Baseball slide by Eddie sends Kid over the guardrail. So and then Eddie goes back into the ring, hits a running springboard plancha, and sails into the third freaking row onto the kid. And this is where I really wish we could hear the actual Japanese I mean, audience here. Okay, I can tell you what the Japanese crowd be like. Be like, <gasps> yeah, like, oh. yeah, like, yeah, like, and there would be cheering too. Because, there, yeah. So one thing that I. I think the Japanese crowds get a bad reputation for us. People act like they're quiet about everything. Not everything. When, when you do that, they get loud. Like, and like oh, they yeah. sound like a normal crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they, if you do something ridiculous, yes. like they will react. Absolutely. It's just the reputation really is that they don't react to everything that an American crowd normally will Correct. react. But if something absolutely ridiculous happens, they will go bonkers. Absolutely. Like, and and I'm sure they did there. Yeah. Anyway, Eddie rolls back into the ring as the kid is still dead on the outside. But he slowly crawls over the guardrail, makes it back in the ring in time. Eddie with an awesome top rope superplex for a very close two count. Humperdinck slips up here and calls him the one, two, three kid. Oh, so, I didn't catch that. Yes. So that's how I knew this was after May of 1993. <laughs> um, and it was actually taped in June. Like I said, Eddie sets up a victory roll, but switches to a sunset flip in midair, which is great. Eddie catches a kick to the PP in the corner and kid lands the moonsault. For two! What the hell? Like, that should have definitely been the finish. Right! That's crazy. This is a great match, folks. Irish whip by the kid, leapfrog, but Eddie with the inverted atomic drop to counter it, followed by the sharpshooter, because why not? Yeah. You know? And I don't think Bret Hart would approve, because, you know, I like Eddie Guerrero. He's a good wrestler, but he didn't sit on the sharpshooter, right? Scorpion hold. (laughs) (laughs) Conan taught me the scorpion hold. (laughs) So anyway, the kid does make the rope sets, because it sucked the way Eddie had it put on. Eddie sets him on the turnbuckle, but kid comes off with a tornado DDT for the win yeah holy shit like really yeah i was like what yeah i didn't think he was winning eddie guerrero like barely ever loses in japan i know and that's true because anything i've ever seen him he always wins he wins tournaments and shit even when he's he's, like dressed like a lion yeah black tiger yeah whatever (laughs) like he never loses so that's just really weird to me lightning kid with the upset here and lightning kid of all people (laughs) yeah i know and of course humperdinck yeah you hit him with that twisty turn thing what is he art donovan yeah that was very (laughs) donovan-esque twisty turn Eddie attacks Kid after the bell, but like literally the announcers don't even notice. Yes, Did you catch the that? crowd doesn't notice either. <laughs> so we're back now with our last match here. It's the tag team title match, and who even knows if that's real, so Quinn? I bet it isn't because Craig and Dink act all like, last minute decision! Like, what? No, you... Especially when something's like pre-taped like four years ago or whatever. Like, you don't have the luxury of saying that, especially when it's so obvious that it was like you can tell this is like a different thing. Yeah, this is actually once again the May 3rd, 93 show, which is where the opener was from. I think it was for the titles in real life, but it's not like it would matter if it was or wasn't. Build a fake story into that. Just say it it is or it isn't. Like, just live with it. (laughs) And if you, here's the thing is if the challengers lose, you can say it's for the tag title. Nobody's ever going to fucking know anyway. 
Who yeah. cares, right? Yeah. So the challenges are Quinn Masachono, we know him, and Shinya Hashimoto, they make their way down. And next, Quinn, are the champions, the Hellraisers, which is the team of Hawk, not Hawk Hogan, mm-hmm. just regular Hawk. No, they, this is where they lied to us. They yeah. said there was going to be Hawk Hogan on yeah, this. Yeah, it's just regular he's Hawk. Not, he's not here. It's just the Hawk. The Hawk and Kensuke Sasaki, who is known as Power Warrior, or for whatever reason, just power here on this show. Now, I'm not going to lie. I thought at first that this was just regular Legion of Doom at right. first. But no, it's like Legion of Doom Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> edition or something. What like, does that mean? It's that the, the power... Power oh, Saki. Green. Um, he's green. <laughs> he he's is got, green. Like, he's even got a green like LOD like shoulder things yep. on. Like yep. <laughs> it's weird. Do you think that was out of respect to Animal? That like, I think did... it was actually. Yeah. I think they were like, no, you can't be the red version. Right. This is when Animal folks was out of uh, wrestling for a little bit with a back injury for a couple oh, really? of years. Yeah, that. he would return. You know, in '95, I think he started wrestling yeah. again. Uh, so they ride in on bikes and look stupid. Of yeah, course. they look like complete assholes. Yep, and like Quinn said, Power Warrior is dressed like Hawk, but in green, and he's like my height. He's very short compared to Hawk. He looks pretty uh, beefy, though, He's I have beef. to say. No, there's beef. I I, I thought that you know, Japanese guys are usually not as uh, big as some of these crazy steroided-up American right, dudes. Right, yeah, but, but this guy Kinsuke was like... Sasaki's yeah, pretty big. He looked like he could stand up to Hawk. Like, yeah. he, he was a pretty big boy there. Yeah, big boy. Yeah. Uh, their stompy entrance is somewhat undercut, though, Quinn, by the ping-pong game in the background. You know, yeah, they're, like, stomping squeak, out. Squeak, squeak, yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, Hashimoto and Sasaki start here. Now, Hashimoto, he is fat as Fuck. They usually like, don't grow him that big, as yeah, Bobby said, right? Yeah, like, holy <laughs> shit, he's, he's a big, very big boy. He's like uh, Koji Katao, is that what his name is? Yeah, yeah Koji Katao? Uh, yeah, Katao's fat as shit. <laughs> Hantao. Hantao. he stinks. So uh, both evade right hands from each other here, and then they slug it out with Hashimoto getting the upper hand. Yeah, as Craig acts like he knows things and just says Great Muda for yeah, no reason. Greg Muda, whatever like, he, he just said. randomly says, like, Oh, Great Muda! Uh, this is like Great Muda, what? Like, it has nothing to do with this. What are you talking about? <laughs> Masachona is in now to double-team corner whip and Suki, uh, Sasaki ducks under a double clothesline and Hawk kills them both with a top rope clothesline. Sasaki now with a power slam on Chono who bails out of the ring. By the way, Quinn Tiger Atori is the referee. By the way, he is like still a ref yeah. to this day. <laughs> he is. That guy is not, he, he will ref till the day he dies. And they're calling like, him legendary here and this is like 25 years ago. <laughs> legendary, like he was probably here in 72. Probably. Yeah. Hey, Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Stu used to say to him. Craig wonders why Hawk isn't holding the tag rope, so Humper- Humperdinck here gives some long-winded explanation of why it's okay. They're just bored. Yeah. Uh, Hawk is now in with Chono. Chono tries to rile up the crowd, but they sound like they're somewhere else. Ha ha ha. Hawk clubs away. <laughs> Irish whip in a clothesline, and then another, and then a third. Craig says that the Hellraisers, Quinn, defeated Scott Norton and Hercules Fernandez to win the belts. Seriously? Okay, <laughs> now, my actual question about this yes. is... Was he known in Japan no. as Hercules Fernandez so that they could get around some kind of copyright? No. Or is Craig just dumb? Uh, well, Craig is dumb, but Hercules' real last name is Fern. His name is Ray Fernandez. Okay. But he never wrestled as Hercules Fernandez. Ever. Like he never. To, to my knowledge, it was Hercules Hernandez in Japan again. Weird. Now I well, wonder where he got that. Maybe he just, just knows. Up. Maybe he just knows the man and yes. he knows his name is Fernandez, yeah. so he just slipped. Right. As I was saying here, I, I wasn't sure when this specifically aired in Eurosport, but the Hellraisers defeated Hercules and Norton on January 4th, 94. So Humperdinck huh. says it recently happened. Now, this match is from May of 93, but it obviously aired sometime after January of 94. It's so, so the confusing. continuity is all screwed up, right? You know what's also confusing? What's that? Um, just trying to count how many punches would have been in a match, including Hercules and Scott Norton. Oh, that's a good point. Actually. Scott Heat Norton. Yeah, Scott Punch Norton. <laughs> All right, big press slam here by Hawk on Chono. Either a clip 
or Chono fought back very quickly as he's now just kicking Hawk in the face. Hawk no-sells, though, because he's Hawk. And what is that, by the way, with yep. Hawk's like random no-selling that he does sometimes? Well, Why is that his thing? He shares a name with another famous Hawk who doesn't <laughs> sell, so maybe he True. just, you know, he feels the right. You okay, know, he yeah. has that right. Fair enough. Each man tags, so we're back to Kintsuke Sasaki and Hashimoto. They lock up and roll around on the ropes as we go to a commercial. We don't get it, though. We come right back where uh, Power here keeps taunting Hashimoto to hit him, and he keeps no-selling until an enziguri does the job, followed by a back suplex. Tag to Chono, who clamps on an exciting chin lock. Sasaki with a back suplex to escape and attack to Hawk. Chono with a front face lock, but Hawk powers out. Headbutts by Hawk. Corner charge running clothesline here. This match is okay, I must admit. Like, this feels like a big main event, like, tag match. Absolutely. Like, SummerSlam or something like that. Like, it's it's really, really good. Well worked. You know what the problem is, is that the crickets uh, squeak, squeak. Yeah, Yeah, They're they're just ruining everything. I know, that's the only problem really that I can tell. Hashimoto in with a wrist lock into an armor, but Hawk clotheslines out, which gets two Hawk misses a corner charge. Hashimoto sweeps their leg and clamps on a half crab. Sensuki comes in and drop kicks Hashimoto off. Chono in now, though, and goes right to work on the leg and gets the sharpshooter. But Hawk, this is a great spot. Yeah. Hawk tries to do push-ups out of the sharpshooter, so Hashimoto solves <laughs> this problem. This. He just comes in and elbow drops Hawk You right say the elbow drop, down. but it just looks like he just sits on him. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe honestly. it was. I, now, I must admit, now, Chono, he always did the sharpshooter, right? And I thought his sharpshooter yeah. would actually look good. It did look good. Right? Much better than Guerrero's yeah, did earlier. So Brett would be proud. And it, actually, I'm pretty sure Chono did it before Brett. The well, sharpshooter. You know, a lot of people did it before me. I just think that, you know, I did one of the best sharpshooters. <laughs> Thought The Rock didn't have much one, though. Also, I'm in this new movie that you can check <laughs> Don't out. Don't bring that movie with Corey up. Feldman. When you talk about movies, Shawn Michaels, I'm a better actor than you. So weird. All right, let's get back to this. Brett here. is the worst with the movie thing. He's bad one, at one movies. of the worst. Absolutely, like, he, totally. Dove and like anything involving Sh- film. It's not like Sean's good either, though. But yeah, but at least Sean is like I kind of like him on that stupid Baywatch thing. It was so goofy. I know. Like he's actually funny. He's funny on that. Yeah. Uh, double Irish whip now, but Hawk's knee gives out. Double arm DDT by Hashimoto is no sold by Hawk because he's Hawk. Yeah. I don't like. That Hawk no-sells, but I, that's just his gimmick, Would right? Would you say, though, that with like, in this match, Hawk is supposed to be like the big fucking star? I can't tell. Really? <laughs> with the crowd. Oh, 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 sorry, yeah. I think the Power Warriors were a huge, or the, excuse me, the Hellraisers were a big deal, though, as right. a tag team. I'm thinking that was just like Hawk's gimmick, was that it's like, oh, you, if you hit him on the head, like, it's really hard. He no-sold stuff throughout his career, right? Yeah, well, he was Pile the... Drivers. I guess so, because he was kind of the power guy of the Legion of Doom. No, no Animal was the power guy. You think so? Yes. I don't know. I thought Hawk looked bigger and Hawk stuff. Hawk usually played Ricky Morton. That's true. Animal would get the hot tag. That's true. I know. Mm. I know it's true. It's weird. It's just, I guess, my perception of Hawk was that he was, like, super strong or something. In this, he might be the power guy. Yeah. That, that was personally my impression even in America, though. Folks, let us know who you think the captain of yeah, the LOD who is, is. Who's the captain of the LOD? It's probably I personally Hawk. feel it's Hawk, and I feel like he's, like, the Hawk Hogan, even, of the team. Like, if it was, like, the Mega Powers, like, Hawk would be Hogan and Animal Yeah, would be well, that'll Savage, give you. That'll like. give you. In size, though, Animal's a lot bigger. Chono in now with a bunch of boots to the head, followed by a half-crab, and then an STF. Nicely done. Sasaki tries to break it up, so Hashimoto throws him out of the ring, and all the way up to the ramp, where he nails a DDT on the ramp. Awesome. What the fuck? I know. This is good. It's good. Hawk is still in the STF, but finally reaches the ropes. Sasaki makes his way back to the corner. In the meantime, spinning heel kick by Hashimoto gets a one count. Irish 
whip, double clothesline. Both men are out. Both men now tag in, and Sasaki kicks ass, including a bulldog and a big clothesline. They go for the doomsday device, but Hashimoto gives a flying kick to Sasaki. It's absolute chaos, really, and nobody cares. I know. It's unfortunate (laughs) that we can't hear the crowd. Hawk beats down Chono and lands a flying clothesline, then rocket launches Sasaki onto Chono before they finally land the doomsday device. I love that they do this twice by the way yep. i just wanted to note this because here's the thing is like they do the rocket launch like thingy yes and then they're like fuck this that's not enough this is masa chono he's yeah. like good so we have to like do our real finish yeah. on top of that so they like doubly like fuck him over basically yep and that gets the win yeah and that's it like the and then she's like stay tuned for a preview of next week which Boom. we don't even cut get. off we which is fine that, yeah. right yeah and honestly quinn besides the opener which was God awful. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was negative really star, seriously. It was that bad. Besides that, all the rest of the matches were pretty good. Uh, the commentary was better than it had any right to be, thanks to Humperdink. Mm-hmm. The only bad thing about this was the lack of an actual crowd. That's My first question as I turned it off was what the fuck did I just watch? I know. Like, I, I have no idea what that was. I had to look into this because I had no idea either. I thought it was all one Japan thing. I thought they were just doing a simulcast I, in yeah, English. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a shame. And this is the. I was talking to Joe about this off show or whatever. Yeah, off show. Japan always seems to have this problem with like, look at this great product. They even will s- sometimes in their history spend the money to get American commentators. Yeah, like and do all that. Spend but they a lot always of money. they always like fuck up like one aspect that's super important. Like really, the only thing holding Japan back now is they don't have a fucking app. Like they have all this content and infrastructure, right? And they don't have an app. To watch it on. That's right. And it's like, but this is like another thing right here. Back then it was, they got the American commentators to get the good matches. Yep. But they don't have a fucking crowd noise to you. Good point. It's always something is missing. It's probably because the commentary was blended into the master already and they couldn't separate it. But they could, they don't have the raw footage of that. Like you would think a a company that, that takes that footage would do that they only might have had rebroadcast rights and not rights yeah. to the actual original mm-hmm. but uh folks if you know anything more about this i really mean this i'm curious if you know anything about why the audio was what it was if it's a ping pong fucking game or whatever it is yeah. please let us know and go out of your way to find the lightning kid versus eddie guerrero match it's i think very good try th- to look for it with japanese i think commentary. it's standalone on on daily motion or youtube i bet yeah. you it's on new japan world actually Probably if you want that to purchase too. that it's only like eight dollars or june something. 5th 93 yeah. is the match yeah. it's from the Super uh, Juniors Tournament of 93. It's definitely on there then, because I know that from when I had it. Right, and it's definitely worth checking out. A really, really good match. And other than that, we thank you for being with us here for yet another week in the world of retro wrestling. We'll, of course, be back next week for more. We'll have more Royal Flush. We'll be reviewing something, hopefully something with normal crowd noise next week. Yeah, please. See what we got going on there. And more of your questions. In the meantime, reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us, OVPpodcast at gmail.com. If you have iTunes, please leave us a review we'd appreciate that check out our patreon patreon.com slash ovp podcast and if you need anything else just go to our website ovppodcast.com but until next time thank you guys for being with us i'm joe Murata. that's michael quinn and we're out of here see ya This is Fast Hands Foster, and this is Big Sir Barnett, and this is the Zing Tennis Championship. Zing Tennis, Aurora's lightning fast new game. Barnett hits a bullet. Fast Hands hits it back. Barnett returns. Fast Hands hits into the corner. Now into the other corner. He's running Barnett ragged. Fast Hands fires. Barnett misses. It's over. It's over. Great victory, Fast Hands. Did you ever think about defeat? Defeat? It ain't defeat. It's the hands. Will you stop? Stop, stop, stop.